and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, this is a big one for me. This is one I've been working on for a while. We both had been working on this for a while, and now it finally came together at my house. Today on the show is Matt Cross, a.k.a. Son of Havoc from Lucha Underground, a.k.a. M-Dog 20 from, I don't know, just about every American indie promotion that you can imagine during the uh, the dawn of the golden era of American indies. I'm sure that's what we're going to go back and call it. But more on that in one second. But first, if you would like to get in touch with me, head over to DamienAbraham.com. There's an email address there. You can find me on various forms of social media, at Left for Damien. If you use Facebook, there's a Facebook page run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham, and he has been... Kicking butt lately, nailing down some big guests. We got some big, big guests coming up in uh, in the over the holiday season and into the new year. Oh my gosh! So thank you, Tristan. So you can send Tristan messages on Facebook and communicate with him, and he'll get the message to me. Uh, if you don't use Facebook, you can find all that same stuff that gets posted over there on Tumblr. Uh, turnoutapunk.tumblr.com. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is by heading over to iTunes and subscribing to this thing, rating it, and writing a review about this podcast. That would be a really cool way to help us. Um, but if you don't use iTunes, like a lot of people don't use iTunes, I understand. You can support us by telling all your friends, tell everyone you know, everyone everywhere about this podcast. And, uh, yeah, that, that's a great way to spread the word. That would be uh, an amazing, uh, amazing uh, thing for you to do. Thank you. Thank you in advance for doing that, if you are going to do it. Um, yeah, and if, if you do, uh, go over to iTunes and check it out, and you will see that there's other podcasts in this podcast family, including Oil and Flowers, my cannabis podcast with DJ Buddha Blaze, and we uh, each week talk about uh, cannabis from two medical patient cannabis medical patients uh, perspective, one with incredibly fancy tastes, which is Buddha, one with incredibly uh, whatever tastes, which is myself. But I do like the good stuff too. But, you know, check out that podcast. Uh, if you want to find out more uh, about the world of Turned Out a Punk, you can check out Turned Out a Punk Footnotes, hosted by myself and Chris O'Toole. It's been on hiatus lately, but we're going to be doing one this week. I know I keep saying that every week, but, you know, it's been it's been crazy between me traveling for this TV show that I'm working on and Chris getting a new job. So it's been, it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of life changes for Chris and I lately, but we'll catch you all up on the next episode of turned out a punk footnotes. And finally, but perhaps most importantly, I have to say thank you to the fine folks at Vans. Everyone at Vans has uh, really helped me out with this podcast. Not Well, I don't know every single person there, but a lot of people there have helped me out with this podcast. Come on board and just said, do whatever you want. Uh, we'll help you uh, pay for it. We'll help support you with it. And you can book whatever guests you want to have on the show. So it's amazing. I get to keep doing this thing, and uh, I don't have to go to pocket anymore. So thank you, everyone at Vans, for helping me out with that. Everyone, once again. Yeah, I'm going to throw everyone. Everyone there supports this thing. Every single person at that giant corporation supports this podcast. So that makes me feel really good. Whew. It's like a little bit of an affirmation uh, for myself. Okay, I'm just going to get on to today's show. Today on the show, it's an amazing guest. Today, I have someone that I think it's like... 
well over uh, two years now that this conversation began about getting Matt on the show. And there's been a couple times where it nearly happened, but, you know, schedules got in the way or it just didn't come together. But then it finally came together at my house late, late one night uh, when Jake Clemens, amazing referee who was riding with Matt, uh, brought Matt over to my house. And the two of them sat there in my kitchen. Uh, poor Jake had to listen to this very long conversation in silence, but he, he was there. He's on. Thank you, Jake, for uh, being like one of the most respectful audiences I've ever had for this podcast when I've done it in front of someone. Uh, but uh, we had a really fun conversation. This is one of my favorite episodes. I, I've, you know, been a fan of Matt for a long time. And, you know, it really, I think his importance for this moment in professional wrestling can't be you know, overstated. I think him, Cole Cabana, as we talk about in this show, Joey Ryan, uh, of course now the, 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 what has become the bullet club, all the, like Kenny Omega and the young bucks and, and, uh, Marty scroll, like all these guys are really changing the face of this industry. There's more, way more that I'm just leaving off. This is just off the top of my head because Koto Bushi in Japan, of course, um, because they're kind of rejecting, the traditional path that you're steered towards in wrestling, which is getting to well, the WWE. That's, that's the goal. And Matt has, you know, he's been on tough enough, you know, I'm sure he, you wouldn't mind wrestling there, but it's not the most important thing to him. You know, like to him, the most important thing is expressing his art form as best he can. Uh, and that's what he does. You know, he's really someone that is pushing this to, to new places. And if you're someone that is still super skeptical about wrestling because of what you see on TV, please listen to this podcast because I think you will hopefully walk away with uh, a greater understanding of what this type of wrestling is versus what that type of wrestling is. And that's not to say that that type of wrestling is bad, but it's just not what this type of wrestling is there. That's a little confusing. Uh, so let's come up with uh, some notes for you today on the show. First and foremost, there is a fourth person in this room when we were recording this podcast, and that is my cat, Mr. Pickles. No, it's not the same cat that meowed throughout the Jello Biafra interview. No, this is another cat that meows a few times. Uh, he purrs a lot. You'll hear a lot of purrs. Uh, and he really enjoyed the late night company that we were providing him that night. He sounds very starved for attention. And he was just very happy to hang out with the three of us. So you will hear Mr. Pickles as well. But it gives it like a real like homely feel. Who doesn't like a purring cat? Like that's like one of the most comforting noises on earth. It's like a an infest record or something. Uh, I got to also say that we do talk a lot about One Life Crew, a very controversial band, uh, a band with some horrible, inexcusable lyrics, especially on that second record. Uh, on the first record, too, there's some bad lyrics as well. Uh, we talk about them, uh, and I think what this does is speak to how the perception of that band was very different in Cleveland versus other parts of you know, the hardcore world. Uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, they were, by a lot of people, not by everyone, definitely not by everyone, but they were, you know, a local band that people were into, or people, you know, were, were behind. And outside of that, they were looked upon as being villains. Like where I was, they were definitely the villains at the time too. So we talk about them and I just want to give you a little bit of context for that band. And, uh, you know, 
and where where this conversation kind of comes from. Um, that's it. I got nothing else to add, I don't think. Uh, I'm just going to let you sit back, relax, and enjoy Matt Cross on Turned Out a Punk. All right, Matt and Jake, thank you so much for being here. Um, this is going to be a... Uh, uh, one that I've wanted to do for a real long time. <laughs> yeah. And I finally get to do it. Glad to finally be here. Well, I'm really happy to have you in my house. I'm glad that this took a long time to happen, but if it had to come together anywhere, it came together at my kitchen table. I didn't know if we were allowed to talk about that, but I am also glad that it's at your house. It makes it an extra layer of cool. You know? Okay, like, well, good. I'm glad. I'm like, so I, like I can meet you somewhere else. I'm like, no, no, let's go to your house, <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> I thought I was dragging you guys out here because, like, you just finished wrestling. You know? It's true. And yeah. it's like, you know, I know when I'm done playing a show, uh, the last thing I want to do is feel taxed in any way, including tr- having to travel. Right. And playing a show is nowhere the physical feat <laughs> that wrestling is. So I really appreciate you being here right oh, now. Oh, no, my pleasure. In probably what is a very uncomfortable chair. No, I'm good. Sitting. I'm good. Okay, awesome. I'm well, always jealous of bands, though, because for that very reason. Really? I always think about it. And I'm like, man, I would go so off. Because, like, yeah. We, you know, wrestling is just so physically hard, and then not to take anything away from being in a band, I'm sure it's also grueling, and there's, like, more shows because you're doing it during the week, but I'm always, like, had these fantasies of, like, man, if I was in a band, I'd be going so hard, and, like, taking these same bumps, and, like, you know, you see bands going <laughs> no, off, I'm like, like, that would be me, like, I'm like flipping up the walls. and Yeah, thank God none of you guys do, because it would really <laughs> cut into what I do. Just, yeah, 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 like, raise yeah. the bar, like, way yeah. too high. <laughs> These are nuts. Yeah, like, I would say that I'm, like, on the upper level as in terms of physicality when yeah. it comes to lead singers and bands. Right. And I would say that I would be great Kali level of <laughs> wrestling worker if, if I was in the ring. It's possible. It's possible. You know, like that's what I think the uh, the the bar set at right, right now in right. music. So God help us when you finally decide to do your <laughs> Clevo band. Oh, I want to. I want to. I think it's time to, uh, to mix up the straight edge scene. So I always try to throw feelers out there to like... Uh, Andy Williams and like CM Punk and like uh, like Nick Diener from the Swellers or whatever. I was like, guys, come on! Like, I'm like half joking, but actually not joking at all. There, I'm there. like, when's the last time there was like some kind of straight edge super group or whatever? And we're all like old and straight edge too, so it'd be like even cooler. Awesome. You know, like I'm like, guys, let's do this. So, well, Ultramantis Black has his. Oh yeah, yeah. he's got his band on Relapse, right? Yeah, and that that is definitely. I, I, I don't know how much the straight-ish thing is, but the vegan thing is 100% the forefront of that band. Yeah. So you're right. There's definitely that up-the-middle straight-edge thing. And that's like the other thing that's amazing is how many straight-edge hardcore kids there are in wrestling. Like yeah. You know, for my that stayed true. Too. Yeah. There's not a lot of edge-breaker wrestlers. Yeah, do I? Yeah. I see a lot of, like, just in normal life. Normal like, life, there's a lot of edge. We were going to like a Best Buy or whatever, and some dude, yeah. like a sweet, like forearm piece, and there was like all these X's or whatever. And I was like, Yeah, brother, straight edge. Yeah. And he's like, Well, it used to be. You know, there's like a lot of that or whatever. But yeah, I guess you're right. Um, that is strange. I never even thought about it. So, like, there's a, you know, maybe, maybe there's like one or two people with a tattoo where you're like, That guy what, really was into that band. Okay. But like, for the most part, like, I think all of you guys are. Pretty much Legit nailed to the X. Dudes. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But we're going to get into all this stuff way later. We got to sure. start this off the way I start them all off, which right. is Matt, how'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? I do. Um, I know growing up, music wasn't really like my thing. And I remember being cognizant of people that that is their thing. Mm-hmm. Like, 
and I was like, oh, that's that's cool for them. You know, I'd heard of like, I think my parents took me like the Beach Boys or whatever and stuff like that. Um, like Roy Orbison actually like opened up and stuff. So I saw him oh, wow. even in my lifetime. Yeah. That's um, a good double bill. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's pretty proud of like the first music experience, a live music experience. So I'm like, all right, I'll take it. Um, and then in middle school, in like seventh and eighth grade, I had a buddy that I was doing gymnastics with and he was really into music, but he was into like industrial stuff. So he liked like Pop Will Eat Itself and like Netzareb and like KMFDM and all this type. That's like really stuff cut taste for a young kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, so it kind of like planted that seed of like undergroundness. Yeah. But I didn't, the music didn't, I was trying, you know, I was trying. So I'm like, I'm going to the shows, I'm buying the t-shirts and I'm like, all right, I, you know, okay. Kind of to appease my friend, but it didn't speak to me. So we went to this thing called uh, Buzzard Fest 95. So WMMS is like the Wait, big... who are some of the bands... Sorry, I don't mean to get you off, yeah. but who are some of the other industrial bands you saw before that, that this moment I, you had? I remember going, like, there was a God Lives Underwater. That's uh, a... And KMFDM I went to go see. <laughs> and then we went to this Buzzard Fest 95 to see, I think, Moby. Okay. Um, there was a big music festival put on 100 uh, by 107.9. Um, or no, 100.7, which is the Buzzard in Cleveland, yeah. a big famous rock station. Um and again, we went to see Moby, and we're walking around, and uh, there was a band playing, and it's just it's kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, dude, like just the energy. I was like, what? What is this? And it was face to face, but I don't know what a face to face is. Yeah. You know, I just see these dudes <laughs> on stage doing this thing. Again, I'm not even really. I'm, I'm trying to get into industrial music and all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know. And then I just get hit in the face by this thing, and I'm like, dude. And my buddy almost. <laughs> almost felt me slipping away and he's just cause I remember him being like no 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 you don't like that you don't you don't like it it's called punk and I'm like I don't know what punk means but like this is it man like I don't know if they were throwing like mud at the crowd or something but it was just it was just so like the energy you know I'd never seen anything like that uh, so I that was a big takeaway from that yeah. festival I was like face to face face to face face to face the same festival the Muddy Muddy Boston was played I don't know what Scott is. I don't know what any of this stuff is. All that I see is all these dudes on a stage wearing silly suits. I don't know what skanking is, but they're all doing this. You know, we all know what that is now. Yeah, so we know yeah. what the motion is. Yeah. But if you've never seen it, you know, they're doing this crazy. Well, this, it's like, no doubt explosion. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's these dudes on stage. Like they had what that Ben Carr or whatever, the manager guy yeah. that, that didn't even play an instrument. So there's <laughs> just Boston. a dude that's just dancing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. Wait, he's not even, I'm trying to look from the back. I'm like, he doesn't even have an instrument. He's just, there's a full-grown man in a suit for no reason dancing. Like, or if you can call that dancing, I don't even know what they're doing. And I'm like trying to imitate it in the crowd. And I've never been happier ever. It's like your first exposure, like Scott Reggae, it's just, it's the happiest thing you've ever heard. So I was like, this is amazing. And I'm like, I need to know what were they called? It's the Mighty Mighty Boston's. So I went to like Camelot Music. I mean, there's still music stores, obviously in 95. I was 14. And I was like, I need like face-to-face. And I need something by like... The, these mighty mighty Boston's or something. <laughs> so whatever these things are, I'm like, I just need that, and like that just that kicked it off for me. And so it's just what happened to that friend? <laughs> um, were you guys joined together by the mutual love of Psy War later on, or like we we remained friends? Yeah. But but there was like that like kind of sadness on his part. <laughs> of, like imagine. it was cool when I think back to it too, because he was into a, it's not my scene, so I don't really know anything about it. But like into all those like uh, like the church uh, burning bands or whatever oh yeah and, like, the black metal stuff yeah yeah and they're all like wearing like the Graven's heads yeah. and like and like so that was his whole thing too um but like I'm not religious but like that was a bit too far to be like so I remember being like ah I don't know about that you know I like, can get behind just a cross being uh, a band symbol on it the bad religion thing that's as far as I'm gonna yeah, go yeah I'm like I don't know if I feel the yeah. need to burn down a church I'm like <laughs> 
I'm like, Where, where's that guy in the suit that was dancing for no reason? Like, that's more my speed. Like, I'll, like he was really happy. I like that, you know. And then I think uh, Buzzard Fest 96, the very next year, the same festival, or Lollapalooza 96. It was at the same venue, so yeah. it's hard for me to differentiate which one was which. But um, the Ramones played as part of that lineup, mm-hmm. I think, Lollapalooza 96. So, I mean, I got to see them. Uh, did Rancid on that one, too? I don't think okay. so, but maybe. Okay. They were. I missed it, which yeah. is, like, like <laughs> so sad, but... Sorry to bump but, you out now. Oh, no, yeah, but, like, the Ramones, like, it, that stuck out. Because I remember just being, like, going home and being, like, the KKK took my baby away? Like, everything was so catchy, and you're just, like, I don't really bury in a pet cemetery. Like, I knew all the songs after that first day. And, yeah. You know, I was 15. I'm just, like, Yes. So I'm just getting more and more into it. And then the Sex Pistols in 96 did like a quick little money grab tour. Yeah, the Filthy Lucre tour. Yeah. But by that point, I knew like, oh, this is this is my thing. And yeah. This is like a chance to see it. And and so I went to that. So, I mean, I, I laugh about it now in a way. But I'm like, yeah, 96, I saw the Sex Pistols and the Ramones. So yeah. I never looked back. That was 21 years ago. And it's like, it sounds overdramatic. But I remember hearing Operation Ivy for the first time, specifically Sound System. And no word of a lie, everything I'd ever heard previous to that died. And I mean that, like, in in the most serious of terms. Like, just anything I had ever heard musically before that didn't exist. And it's like, I thought I thought maybe it wouldn't mean that for life, but now it's 21, 22 years later, and I'm like, I stand by that. You know, like, that song, hearing for the first time, something about sound system, I was like, you know, I, again, I wasn't super into music, like, previous to this, like, little period in time. And then I'm just like, finally, something that has spoken to me and continues to, and I'm just like, yep, this is it, 100%, like, on board, let's go. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Yeah, so that was that was the beginning for me. So where did you kind of go from, like, you got those first uh, first two tapes, and uh, or I guess tapes were you buying at that point? Or yeah, because I still have, like, what, seven seconds, the crew tape, okay. and I have, like, a Danzig tape. And, so, like, where, uh, so where'd you kind of go from there? Did you go to, like, what was, the, like, the next, like, local show? Were there any local bands you were kind of singing at that time, or? Uh, I'm trying to, I mean, it was, it was mostly, like, these big festival type things so like early like the first warp tour because mm-hmm. um, that was like i think 96 too yeah it was i so was lucky like right when i was discovering this stuff l7 and, and like orange nine millimeter tilt was the big one for tilt, me definitely uh, I was like, I was like, oh, swinging utters yeah yeah yeah. i just saw them last week really yeah i love that band i think so they're like much. criminally underrated i think criminally underrated and, and it's too. like it's i mean i know music is subjective and everyone and, and punk is a vague term in general as well so it's like but for me that's like one of the punkest bands. Like they're, they're, you could want nothing more out of a band. Like the guy's vocals are just yeah. just, just that gruff, like desperate, like it's just it's all there. And, and like you know, they're not the hot it band right now. So there's you know 20 people at the grog shop in Cleveland and I'm just like man, cuz I was loving every second of every note and I'm like this is so good. Like to me like them and the US Bombs. I just don't I'm like why aren't these like the biggest bands in the world? <laughs> I think Dirty C is like Top five songs of all time. Yeah, there's, for me. there's so many. They're so good, and you're like, ah. I mean, the whole San Francisco sound. Yeah. To me, is just like, they well. were they swinging Riders were like, I saw them on that tour too, and I remember going up and talking to them, and that was the first time I'd ever met a band. Yeah. And they were like really nice and signed yeah. my shirt, and I was just like, this is my favorite band. Yeah, yeah. And then they came back, and I think was with Lunatics the next time they came, and then okay. they came with. Descendants oh, and like, Bouncing Souls another time. Yeah. And then they didn't come back for a long, long time. But every time I'm just like, yeah, you're right. I, horribly underrated. Yeah. Even like Riot Fest, the other, where you guys played last year or two years ago? Were they on the, they weren't on the same day though, right? No, no I think okay. a different day. Yeah. But I remember just like being blown away by them there, even in yeah. a big like festival type setting. And I'm just like, these guys are like the 
best. And yeah. I, I don't. And again, like music is subjective, but whatever that hits in my brain, I'm just like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just like, like that's here. punk. Like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> no, I, it, they, they were. I saw them at uh, the war, the Fat Records anniversary hmm. shows that happened last year. And they opened with Wind Spitting Punk. Oh yeah, and it was just like. This is the greatest yeah. ever, yeah. and uh, yeah, they're like what it's it's like you said. It's like if you're not the hot band at the moment, unfortunately, you know, not a lot of people get to appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, you know, you're going to these big shows and stuff like that. Were there any bands you saw locally at that point? Were there any bands like in a high school or other kids? Um. Well, I started a high school band. Oh, really? What um, was your band called? <laughs> White Noise. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because like. My musical tastes are varied. It's all under, like, an underground umbrella, if yeah. you will. But, like, I really like ska. I really like punk rock. I really like... I, I was really big into Oi, like, in high school. Um, so, I mean, this is, like, CD era. So I have more, to this day, Oi CDs than anything else that I even own. And then I was really into hardcore. I was really into straight-edge yeah. stuff. And so when we started this band, like, all of those influences came in. And I didn't, like... It sounds so silly, but I almost, like, didn't get how bands worked. So, like, we would write, like, two or three ska songs, and then, like, two or three oi songs, and then two or three, like, straight-edge hardcore songs, and then two or three, like... <laughs> honestly, it's only, like, somewhat recently, like, in the past couple of years that I was, like... Obviously, okay, you're in a band. Yeah. You don't just like hardcore. You no. don't just like UK82 or whatever. You no. don't just like DB. Like, everyone in every band likes every type of music. Yeah. I honestly thought I was some kind of weirdo, because I was, like, I'm straight-edge, but I also, like you know, reggae and all this thing about weed and stuff. And like, I don't relate to that, but I'm like, but I love it. And I'm like, I love all this like skinhead oi stuff, but I'm like, but I don't like, I don't know. And like, it, it's like only like, again, only recently have I come to terms with like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Everyone in our, in our scene or whatever you want to call it likes everything. We can appreciate like there's different so sounds for different moods. Like you're pissed. So you listen to this, you're happy. So you listen to this, whatever. But I couldn't like focus on any one thing in the band. So it was like, our stuff's just so all over the place or whatever. Yeah, like I don't. I feel the same way. Like I think you get when you're when you're younger, you kind of think you have to be in a genre, and there's yeah. no no way you could step out of that genre. And I think that's the thing when you're in a band, you kind of get trapped in that too. Yeah. Um, but maybe it saved me from having you know because I think it, you know thinking the same sort of way. I would have two or three songs that sound like Cameron. I would have two or three songs that sound like I Hate God. I would have, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. a very weird band, but... <laughs> Did you guys record? Uh, just uh, in, like, the basement, but yeah. Oh, we I gotta little, hear some little... demos of this. I should, uh, yeah. I, I hear some voice can... songs. I, I, of all our stuff, I think I'm the most proud of the voice songs. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're okay. They're okay. Sometimes I don't they'll come on shuffle, and I'm, like, not too embarrassed. An oi band called White Noise might have some issues now in yes. 2017. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I was, like, digging up photos of me in high school, shaved head, like, American oi t-shirt. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, um, our uh, guitar player was, like, Taiwanese, so it's a picture of me yeah, and yeah. together, so I'm like, all right, yeah, we're good. But, like, <laughs> but, but I did, that did cross my mind. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm sure, there was a place called the Euclid Tavern in Cleveland. It was okay. my favorite uh, place for shows. And I, I remember saw, saw AFI there in, like, 97, and I think, like, they, the force opened up, and then, like, that was where Hunter, whatever his name, yeah. like the bass player yeah. came over for, but he wasn't even like in the band yet. And there was a lot of good stuff. I mean, mustard plug stuff like that back in the uh, back in those days at, at this place, the Yuko Tavern. Um, and then I kind of like discovered Straight Edge or whatever. Um, so I started going to more like hardcore shows and stuff. What were your first like? What how did you like get introduced to that? Yeah, concept um, I guess. 
So I went to a party, like as you do in high school, and I just never was like, drinking never spoke to me. Yeah. Uh, my dad homebrews to this day. Uh, he's the president of something called the Society of Northeast Ohio Homebrewers, <laughs> so they're called the snobs. Uh, so it's just like, I grew up where that was such a part of, of you know, there was brew, uh, beer being brewed in our house from like my earliest memories. Yeah. Like the house smells like hops and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so I think... Uh, as an adult, kind of like reflectively looking back on it, that it was never unintentionally glorified to me because I was never once told, stay away from that, it's bad, it's evil. So I think when you hit these like rebellious teenage years and you start to get into punk rock and being like, oh, I need to question everything, I was like, I know how to stick it to the man. I, <laughs> I'll i wait, I'll no, I won't drink. Like, yeah. yeah. So I was going to these parties and honestly, I just didn't, I just didn't, I don't know, it never spoke to me. So I didn't want to do it. And just one party in particular, I kind of like, I don't know, got the courage or whatever you will to be like, nah, I'm good. Like, I don't want to drink. And this guy that was there was like, oh, so you're straight edge? And I was the first time I ever heard the term. And I was like, um, wait, what? And he's like, oh, straight edge. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, oh, it's this whole thing where where people don't drink. And I mean, that just stopped me because I was like, wait, sorry, people that don't drink. Because again, I thought (laughs) I was this like alien, you know? And I'm like... There's other people that don't drink, and he's like, "Yeah, it's called straight edge." And he's like, there's, "There's bands around it and stuff." And then the, I was already getting really into the punk stuff, but I hadn't discovered Minor Threat or anything, so I knew nothing about the straight edge stuff. Um, it was just like I don't know the queers and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like I'm like, "Oh, let's start a riot on heroin and you know the Ramones and like let's sniff some glue." And I wasn't doing it, and I couldn't relate to it. <sighs> but I liked that sound and energy. And then as soon as this guy's like, "There's bands around it," I'm like, "Dude, like what?" And he's like, "Oh yeah," and, and the one he named was Earth Crisis. So I was like, I need to find out about something like this this crisis of the earth. Whatever this guy's talking about, like, I gotta this find crisis this crisis of infinite earths that's yeah. going on for sure. And there was a place called Perry's Rock Pile, which, looking back, we're really lucky because it was like this independent, like punk rock shop that was legendary, huge, yeah. it was humongous, and he had everything. It was just this crazy old guy, uh, and you had access to everything. So like, my grandma would take me there and stuff, and I'm like, I need the Earth Crisis. Uh, and the first thing I got was the California Takeover on Victory Records, and it was like Earth Crisis, Strife, and Snapcase. So and like, Tony Victory saying the essence was right. <laughs> that's <laughs> so <laughs> sick. It is, it is. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so cool. Um, and, and yeah, and I'm just like, I'm reading these lyrics and stuff. And like, that. I never understood angry music prior to that, really. Because mm. I was like, I remember like making fun of Metallica. It's going to lose me some fans, whatever. But I've, I've never, you know, been into them. And I remember from the earliest days, I was like, what is, what is it? What are they angry about? Yeah. Like, whatever. And then... I had this anger inside of me, and, and it was based on this: these people doing what is the status quo and thinking that they're rebelling. And, and it was like, all of a sudden, something spoke to that, and I was like, oh my god, like, there's other people that don't drink, and they're angry about it. And I'm, you know, you're angry when you're young. I might be angry now, but like, I was like, I'm so angry <laughs> about this, and I can relate to this. And I was just like, yes, yes, more of it. And, and I think that's why, even now, some 20 years later, whatever it is, I'm, I'm still straight edge, because it wasn't, I found out about a set of rules, and then was like, oh, let me mold my life to fit those. I already felt that way and didn't know it, like, had a name. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, just I, those three bands were always the, the big ones to me, yeah. like, to, to find out about Straight Edge or whatever, and I was just like, yes. And then that, that was, um, you know, 96 or something, so those bands were kind of kind of doing it then, too. Like, I remember, like, when Gamora Season Ends, like, came out, and it was like, this is current and new, and, like, oh, let's check it out. Oh, it's so good, and... and Strife was going and everything, so we had the chance to see these bands. It's funny to think about Earth Crisis now. Like, they're they're very popular and things like mm-hmm. that. But there was that moment where there was like MTV, America's Most Wanted. Yeah. There were like all these shows, and it was like this is super fucking dangerous. Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is real. Like, and it's yeah, especially at the time, like you know, not drinking and and not doing any drugs, and then having someone 
tell you, like, not only do you not have to be ashamed that you're not like your friends, you got to be proud that you're not like your friends. And it yeah. was just like, oh, this band's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I liked that there was, like, this gang-esque mentality yeah. to it. I mean, I'll, I'll admit that. And I, I think that was part of it. And then the fact that, like, what the gang, if you will, stood for was, like, not drinking and yeah. not smoking. I mean, I remember, like, because there was maybe six or ten of us in high school, and, and we were all, like, they kind of introduced me to Straight Edge. Um, and then we, we were all doing it, but then I was like, guys, we need to X up. Like, come on. <laughs> so on the same day, like on a random Tuesday, you know, in, like, small town Ohio, like all of us come to school that day, which is the biggest X's we could possibly draw on our hands. So, you know, the, the first teacher sees the first kid and is like, what? But by the end of the first day, it was like, all right, what's going on? Yeah. And I remember getting pulled aside, and they're like, what, what, why is this, what is this? And I was like, that was so, like, of a proud moment for me. And I'm like, oh, let me tell you about this, you know? <laughs> I'm like, this is basically a gang. Just so they're like, oh, no. Just so you know. You might have seen it on, like, yeah, 60 Minutes or whatever at the time. It's getting all this stuff. I'm like, that's us. Here we come, you know? But then I'm like, on Friday night, we're not going to drink. Like, we're not. We're going to be in dressing camo and like doing flips off stages and whatever. But I was like, yeah, this is so rad. You know, like I just thought it was, it was the coolest. But you're right. It definitely like the gang aspect of it, especially when you look at the path of a resistance record oh. and you see like dude photo at the back, oh. you're like, and, and especially like, you know, in my high school where it was like me and maybe two other kids or one other kid, it was like, Oh shit. There's a place where there's this many of us. Where yeah. Like, we would be the force. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is like you know. So yeah, you can't help but get caught up to this that. day. Like you just sang that, almost gave me goosebumps. Like that, that Path Resistance record, <laughs> the album cover of just like, I mean, yeah, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. That, that like, record has such an amazing aesthetic. Oh right. Yeah. And when you see Raymond Rose tattoo, and you're like, oh fuck, that's the fucking Path <laughs> Resistance eagle. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, like, yeah. Wow. Every yeah, that band was like so huge for me. I think I missed my prom to see Earth Crisis. <laughs> And then they did, because like the, the roadies were the other guys in the band, I think, yeah. right? So they, they did a couple, like The Chain or whatever the songs were called. They did a couple, like maybe as an encore, maybe oh, as part of the set, but they awesome. did some Path Resistance stuff. And there was like 1% of me that was like, I'm missing my prom. But then, you know, 90% was like, who cares? And then when they did that, I was like 100% of like, of oh, course yeah. I missed it. I got to see <laughs> Path Resistance live. Which <laughs> so like, yeah, it was like, but that was a huge, huge part of it. Do you remember Prayer for a Fallen Angel? The other super group? I know. That was like DJ Rose and Chris Logan from uh, Chokehold. Okay. And it was like, I think some of the people from Brothers Keeper uh, in it, but it was like the other super group that was like the... I'm looking this up instantly. Yeah. (laughs) That's the rest of my night. They did like a four-song EP, five-song EP, and they were supposed to play one year and I missed like a big New Year's Eve party that like these kids were having and I was just like no I'm gonna go see Prayer for Fallen Angel oh sick but they didn't play <laughs> ah. but I still don't no regrets <laughs> no regrets and then the funny thing was because I was getting into all this hardcore stuff and because the California Takeover was the first thing that I heard yeah. and it was on this like this Victory Records whatever that was uh, so then I'm like okay well Victory Records must be like the place if all of these bands are on it or whatever so I was like really big into them and stuff and then it was like you know, the whole One Live Crew stuff to tie it into Cleveland. Because yeah. I was like, oh, there's a band One Live Crew and they're from they're from here? Like, they live here too and they're from Cleveland and they're on the same, like, mythical Victory Records? I think they had just been booted or whatever Dropped. the story yeah. is. So it's like, but, this, you know, the album was still on it. So then I'm finding out, but like, oh, but the, what, they were too cool? They got kicked off? Or like, what is this? So it had this element of like, this is all pre-internet as well. Yeah. So it's everything speculative. And it's like, I heard they started a riot. I heard they started a what? Like, so it makes it even cooler because you can't just like, look it all up and it's all just hearsay yeah. and stuff and, and so then I was able to like 
go see them. And, and that was a time when they were like, you know, extra pissed or whatever themselves. <laughs> or it was really, um, so that's some early like hardcore shows, uh, like 98. I remember going to see them. Were you aware of integrity yet? Or is it before integrity even? Um, I remember going to the Victor Records store. Uh, they had a storefront in Chicago. In Chicago, the Bulldog store. Yeah. And I was uh, did high-level competitive gymnastics for 11 years. And then we had, like, regionals or nationals in Chicago. And I remember, like, telling my mom, like, we need to go to this <laughs> place. And then we got lost trying to find it. And it was, like, in a crappy neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it's and, the, and it was, like, pre, yeah, Chicago's a different city now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, like, finally find it. And my mom's just like, I don't know, whatever. Like, get whatever you want. And I'm like, I don't even know what I want because it's, like... <laughs> I want everything. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing. They had everything. They had like Strife watches. Yeah. Strife backpacks. Strife like underwear. They had like everything for every band on the roster. I'm trying to think of, because I, I almost want to think like, I think Snapcase, like that progression through unlearning had just come out. Okay. And I remember my mom being like, thinking that it was like advocating for like, you shouldn't learn or like, you shouldn't go to school. She's like, progression through unlearning like what is this garbage you're listening to and then whoever was like working there the poor kid was actually like actually it's a very positive message because they're trying to convey that like the conventional wisdom that you're being taught maybe should be questioned and like just talking to her about that stuff and uh um yeah i don't really get off on the tangents but but yeah i went to the store and stuff so i remember getting a stack of like strife stickers and integrity stickers and and like snapcase stickers so i was aware of like Oh, they're on this lineup as well, or whatever. Or like they're part of this again, mythical like Victory Records or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was like a one my crew show where like um, like Pit Boss Two Thousand played also like oh, after. Wow. So I think it was their first show ever. They were probably Prohibition Two Thousand at that point, right? Yes, yeah, actually, yeah, you're correct. I think it might have been. I don't know if they did any more than just that one show. No, they did. They, then they toured as Pit Boss. Oh, yeah, no, I think they. They might have announced the tour when they were Prohibition 2000, but by the time they did that tour, you're right, they were Pit Boss 2000. So I think you saw, like, the one and only Prohibition 2000 Yeah, show. and they came out, like, wearing, and they, they were humongous dudes, yeah. and they were wearing, like, nylons over their head, and they either had golf clubs or baseball bats, but they came out with that, and I was just like, dude, <laughs> like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen, like... Are they going to rob a bank? Like, why are they wearing <laughs> nylons over their head? They're already the most physically intimidating people I've ever seen. I'm, yeah. like, 16 or 17. Like, it's a school night. Like, I have to go to school <laughs> in a couple hours. I'm watching these giant bank robber dudes who also don't want to drink, but, like, they want to rob a bank or something. I don't know what we're talking about, but, like, drink, drive, drink, die. I will laugh when your family cries. All right, I'm into this. Like, but, yeah, yeah. So, that's so I got to see, like, that and stuff, which, looking back, is kind of, like, oh, all right. Like, <laughs> you know, crazy. Yeah. They they played here one time. I've talked about it on the show before, but they played here one time. It was the same day Nine Chocks Terror played. Oh, and they came to the Nine Chocks Terror show afterwards just to like, I don't know. It was just like awkwardly stand outside and mean mug. Just, it, was, it was like a very sounds, weird show. Sounds about right. Yeah, it was a very interesting like <laughs> Cleveland exchange that happened in Toronto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's strange that would happen here. Um, so I guess like yeah, like do uh, with the OLC thing. I think it was like. That was also the controversy got, you know, that was the first time that, you know, I, I think on the internet that I became aware of, oh, there's like this hardcore communication thing that happens on the internet. Right. This. But in Cleveland, I think it was like a completely different thing. Like they were like, you know, almost seen as the heroes. Um, like Jonah was on the show, Jonah Bear, and, mm-hmm. and from from uh, Cleveland as well. And he was talking about as a young kid, like, no, these guys were awesome. Like these were the guys that I looked up to. But, like, elsewhere, but was that the same for you? Did, you I mean, aware? I definitely thought they were awesome. Yeah. You know, I was kind of aware of the controversy, but if anything, that makes them cooler, especially yeah. when you're young, because you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, our guys are, like, 
maybe too cool or something, or, yeah. you know, they're getting booted off stuff. Yeah. Or it's like even more rebellious. So I'm like, I'm even more into this. And then I remember, uh, I think it was my first hardcore show. Um, you and I just talked about it uh, privately for a second, but it was Earth Crisis, um, playing at, this, at the old Peabody's in the flats in Cleveland. And it was a school night, and my buddy took me, and, it, and again, I think it was my first hardcore show, and I'm seeing this Earth Crisis band that, you know, I discovered Straight Edge on the California Takeover, so I can't wait. And I've, I know all the lyrics to Firestorm, so here we go, guys, you know, like, let's do this. And I remember my buddy, like, he was a senior, I think, and I was either a freshman or, or sophomore, so it was really cool there, too, because I'm like, I'm with the upperclassmen, like, I'm in, you know? <laughs> And my buddy, like, hit the stage and ran off and did a big flip. And, like, I think that was the first time I ever, like, saw a stage dive. And I was like, wait, what? how do you, like, what? And they just, you know, did it again. I'm like, you're just, like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's a step up from the boss tone. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's even cooler than the guy in the suit doing the random, like, jerky hurt the yeah. dance. Like, so, I mean, I'm a high-level competitive gymnast, so I'm like, dude, I want to jump off this monitor and do a crazy flip and these people are going to catch me. That's way cooler than gymnastics. So I'm like, do the first one. I'm like, sick. So I'm just cycling around, cycling around, cycling around. Unbeknownst to me, like, all the One Lab Crew dudes are, are at this show. Yeah. They've recently been booted. It's like, the tensions are high. This is my first show, so I'm not really picking up on it. Yeah. But they're there wearing, like, I think me and Steve had, like, some sort of, like, mink coat on or like one of these like grandma-esque shawls of like a fox or something but they're just trying to stir it up you know yeah. so they're like there again these dudes are humongous wearing fur coats <laughs> at, at the earth crisis show and they have their you know people and earth crisis has their people and but but all this is like i'm just the young kid discovering stage dives so i don't know like stuff's about to happen yeah, yeah. um so at some point my buddy that i just learned how to stage dive from Heads up on stage as, like, the one that crew guys kind of make this, like, mass movement towards stage. And there was a tension there the whole show. And it was like, ooh, is it going to happen? I don't know if there's truth to it, but I've heard some rumors they'd be, like, throwing meat at the stage as well. And I don't doubt it. Uh, especially if you're going to wear, like, this mink scarf or whatever it is. Like, there's also that famous one where it's, like, the guys from, not even necessarily Floor Punch, but they're, like, mm. Floor Punch crew. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, throwing yogurt at the stage and wearing oh. fur coats, too. So I think... You know, it seemed like that was like, if you're going to go after Earth Crisis, that's like the playbook. <laughs> that's what you do. It. Yeah. You go, sorry, you were saying that. Yeah, yeah, so at some point, these guys make some sort of, they either make a move to the stage or it appears they do. Yeah. As my buddy is like running around to do his stage dive. So I, I think his name is Bulldog, or the bass player of Earth Crisis, takes his bass off over his head, like you're trying to win that carnival game thing. And just comes down on someone and just, like, cracks them in the head full force with the bass. Like, axe swings down. And I remember, like, so many thoughts going through my head. Because I remember thinking, I first thought, are they breaking their instruments? Like, I don't know, who does that? Like, the Who or something? Yeah, or like, but I remember, I remember, like, seeing, like, my parents' bands do that. Yeah. So I thought it was lame. Yeah. And I'm like, why would you break your instrument, man? I don't have any money. Like, it's not even like, like, no, play music. Don't break the instrument. I couldn't, like, identify with that. So I remember being like, oh, lame. That was immediately followed up with, oh, they just hit somebody. So then I thought, he must have been smoking. So it's cool. Like, because I'm like, whoa, they're like, they're beating up smokers. And, you know, I'm a young kid. So I'm like, rad. Which is then immediately followed by, that's my buddy Tulos that drove me to the show. Oh, fuck. And I, and, and I just remember him looking up with this look of horror and blood spurting literally out of his head. So I'm getting like nauseous. The show's obviously over. My buddy's on stage dying. I'm like, this is pre-cell phones, everything. Like, some fight breaks out and maybe erupts out in the street. But, I mean, the show's over. I don't even know, like, he gets, like, somebody calls an ambulance. They take him away. I remember sitting in the back of the venue, like, 
I, I got to go to school in like six hours and like my buddy's dead, dead, I think. I don't even know. This is my first hardcore show. So I'm like, what is, what is going on? Like, is this what happens? Like, um, and then another guy, uh, who Josh Prohibition, who I started pro wrestling with was at the show. Uh, he was another upperclassman. I didn't know him. I'd seen him at school, maybe wearing a straight edge shirt or a rancid shirt or something. So I had to go up to him and I'm like, Hey man, I, I think you go to Brexville. He's like, Oh yeah. I'm like, can you drive me home? Cause like that dude who just was murdered and like was, was who drove me. So like I need to go home with you maybe. And, and I just, yeah, I got driven home and went to school the next day. And I was just like, I think my, I mean, again, it's pre cell phones. Like, yeah. like, it's not like I can shoot my buddy a text and be like, are you alive? But I was like, I think he's dead. Like I saw it. It was just, which I don't know. I look back at that now, like how 20 years later and I'm like, what does that say about me that I went back to hardcore shows? Like that's my first one. You'd think I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. The band I went to see just murdered my friend. Um, what, what was he? What was the the, the damage that he suffered? Like he had like a head like wound, ten but... like staples put in his skull, and he showed up to school like he missed the first half of the day. He showed up the second half of the day, so we saw him at lunch, and he had like all these staples in his head. His head was shaved where it had been hit and stuff. And was like, that his like? I'm out of there here moment for punk and hardcore. Did you No, know? no, no, no. Cause I remember we went back cause they played again, like, you know, six months or a year later or something. And we're like still young enough where, um, they're like, Oh, we know some stuff happened and went down last time. And like, you know, here's kind of our side of the story. And we're so sorry. And somebody got caught up in it. And like, you know, and they may have even known his name. Like this one goes out to him. So I remember to him and I, we were yeah. like, this one goes out to you. Like, whoa. Like they could have like literally murdered us both and it's totally fine. And I'm like, dude. He sent a song at you. It's This cool. song is for you. Like nobody else, man. Like, so it's like all wrongs are forgiven or whatever. It was like, we're all good. Um, I wrestled for, it's called Inspire Pro in yeah. Austin, Texas. This is like last year. And then my shirt is like a, like a very... I don't call it generic, but a very, um, the aesthetic is like a hardcore shirt. Yeah. Like every, it's like live guy on stage, varsity font. Yeah. Like we, we all know it. Yeah. So that's what my shirt is. Cause I don't want hokey wrestling shirts. I want, you know, music is what means more to me. So, uh, this guy comes up to me. He's like, yeah, you know, I want to buy your shirt and stuff. And it's so sick. And he's like, Hey, do you really listen to hardcore and stuff? And like, I'm like, Oh yeah, of course. I'm like, I'm from Cleveland, man. So, you know, it's like ringworm and, and one live crew and, 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 Pit Boss 2000, all this stuff. And then he just starts laughing. And then he, like, laughs and kind of looks behind him. And then behind him is, like, John Lockjaw. <laughs> and I'm just like, wait, who's also laughing? Because I didn't see him. And I'm like, oh, like, one love crew. Um, so he's just like, wait, what? And, like, there's John Lockjaw or whatever. And he's like, I'm like, wow, this is super weird. Like, what are you doing at a wrestling show in Austin, Texas? Like, last I saw you wearing nylons on your head, like, in Cleveland with a baseball bat or something. <laughs> So he has a podcast that he's like, hey, come on podcast the next day. So I ended up doing it, telling this story because it came up just uh, about hardcore. And as I'm telling it, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy would have been a part of this. So yeah. it's just really crazy because I tell the whole story. And then he's like, I didn't realize until like that second. He's like, yeah, I was uh, 10 feet from that when that happened. And then we got like his side of it. And it was like, whoa. Like, and it was like exploring it for the first time like on air 20 years later and I was like this is crazy <laughs> like uh. yeah but it was uh no it's it's funny when you see these people now all these years later because like he was like a mythical kind of especially for me in Canada like yeah that first time Pit Boss 2000 came up here I was like oh man this guy's like a, a monster when you show yeah. that at, at that Nine Shocks Terror show and then to like meet him as an adult you're like 
oh, well, now we're both adults. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, so he was different. completely chill and yeah. almost like apologetic very, of that time. Yeah, and like, and like, of that time. Oops, and hey, and you know, I was like, oh no, I get it. Like, yeah, exactly. It was very much that. I'm like, oh, that was me, but uh, yeah. meet me now. And Different time. Sure, sure. Yeah. Like, I get it. I get it. Um, but like, when did you see Integrity for the first time? I don't even know. It might have been around that time. I don't have a strong, I don't have a good story. Um, my good story with him is seeing him last month in Japan. Because <laughs> yeah. was, I was wrestling over there. Um, and I just announced it. And then a, a buddy was like, oh, are you going to see Integrity when you're in Tokyo? I was like, wait, what? And that day we had a show, but we wrestled at noon. So by 2.30 we were done. And then we wrestled the following night at Corican Hall. So I was like, there's like absolutely no reason I could not go to this. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Um, There was like six bands or something. I didn't know the other bands. So I was like, all right, I want to time this right. I don't know if I need six bands yelling at me. You know, so I'm like, I'll take a nap after our show because it's really early and all this jet lag and stuff. And I also don't want to go alone. Yeah. I, I go to shows weekly alone in Cleveland, but like trying to get there in Tokyo and stuff, that's intimidating. So I asked on Helico, which is like also in Lucha Underground, um, and I'm like, oh, do you want to do this hardcore show with me? Which he interprets as a hardcore wrestling show. <laughs> so he's like, oh, are they doing like light tubes or what are they? I was like, no, 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 no. It's like, it's like music, man. I'm like, it's like a hardcore show. He's like, oh, he's from South Africa. I can't do a South yeah. African accent. He's like, well, hardcore what? I'm like, hardcore music. He's like, yeah, but hardcore what music? I'm like, hard. I'm like, you've never heard of hardcore? He's like, no, mate. Like, he's never. I'm like. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's called Hardcore, dude. I'm like, do you want to listen to the band before we go? He's like, nah, man, surprise me. <laughs> so we, we just, he just goes without even knowing what he's getting into. Um, and he had lived there previously, so he was kind of uh, not intimidated by the subway system. Yeah, yeah. So some fan that's asking us for autographs in the hotel lobby, we get uh, autographs, you know, give him autographs, then show him an address of where we're trying to get. He writes us these very detailed directions of like, not only the stop we have to get off on the subway, but every stop before, so yeah. we'll know we're like on the right step. So and we know everything up until the street. So it's like somewhere in Shinjuku, and, and we get there, and it's a bright, colorful street, and, and Helico's like, it's down one of these alleyways, which already I'm like, ooh, alleyway, good sign. You know, that's what <laughs> yeah. we want to hear. Um, and then I see this dude coming out of an alleyway wearing, like, just the coolest shirt. It was like, it said, like, Throat Massacre or something, you know, just like Japanese but awesome. And he's dressed in all black, and I'm like, it's this way. <laughs> and Helico's like, how do you know? I'm like, it's this way. So we go down this little alleyway, and then we see Dwid walking out. And my first thought is like, oh no, why is he in this little alleyway? We've missed them. And I'm like, ah, because I was trying to time it so perfectly. And I'm like, oh no, do it, do we miss you? He's like, no, we're about to play now in like two seconds. I'm like, oh yes, I'm from Cleveland. Like, I've like, here, see you guys. This is like, yes. And he's just kind of thrown off because he's like, wait, what? Like, what are you? He's like, wait, I'm going to the store. You want to come with me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go to the store. We're just telling him how we're like these like pro wrestlers. So he's kind of intrigued because it's a weird story. Uh, you know, he's buying some beers, and Helico's buying some beers, and Helico's like, can we get these in the venue, or, like, keep in mind, he's never been anything like this in his life, yeah. you know, he's loosely aware that, like, U2 is he a band. He has no idea like, who this guy is talking to. He doesn't know what's going on. Mind you, he's hung out with Teddy Hart, so, like, really, it's all relative, I guess, right? <laughs> Perhaps. And Dwid's like, oh, just come in the back with me, guys, so we're like, sick, uh, we, and we go back, and it's, like, it's the perfect place, it's, like, um... It's called like Earth Kingdom, or I guess it's like a big place there if you're like okay. in the know or whatever. It's where you guys would play through there, I guess. Or, you know, it's Shinjuku uh, Loft, is it called? Is it like kind of in like a basement? It thing? was definitely sort like, of a basement, and it's got like lockers when you come in, and it's got like a like almost like I think so actually like a lower level. Yeah, I, I, I went. Think... To, I saw a Death Side play there when I was Ooh. over there. It was awesome, <laughs> and I went by myself, but Daisuke Sasaki from DDT was there because oh, he's a big sick. fan. 
Really? Yeah. He was just like there watching Death Side 2. That's my end of there. Okay, Dude, small, I'm telling small you. Small world. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like anytime I'm like, uh, that's my thing now. It's like, ever since I found out about like, you know, yourself and like Robbie Brookside and all these people, yeah. it's like, watch the shirts. Yeah. yeah. You, you never know when someone's going to drop a clue on their t-shirt. Yeah. But so, cool. so do we got to get back into the venue? Yeah, we get in this back thing and then it occurs to me, I'm like... I'm like, hell, have you ever been to just a place like this? Because graffiti on all the walls, and you know, it's, we know it. But like, he's just like, no, no, never. And I'm like, oh boy, like, because these dudes are about to scream in his face, and he doesn't know what's about to hit him. Like, this is not going to be music as he's ever experienced yeah. it. Um, but we got introduced as like, oh, these are these wrestler dudes, and like, so because Dwid brought us into the group, everyone's like. Oh, these guys are our dudes, and like so everyone's treating us amazing. We're only there for like five, ten minutes before they hit the stage. Uh, I'm like, yeah, we're gonna walk on stage with them, obviously, and just kind of chill out on the side. But a helico, completely unaware of this world, is like, where do we go? What do we do? So he asks Dwid. He's like, what should we do? Dwid's like, do whatever the fuck you want, man. Like, and then a helico's like to me, like, did you hear that? Like, we can do it. Like, we got a pass. We can do whatever. Like, he thinks it's the coolest thing. Now, we, you know, we, so we go on the side of the stage. They start playing. It rules. Uh, they start off a vocal test, so I'm like, you know the words of this one, buddy. It's ah, <laughs> so you can sing along, and Helico. Um, I started listening to him in '96, so it's 21 years ago. You couldn't tell by the third song who had been listening to them for 21 years or was hearing them for the first time between a Helico and I. Like he was so into it. Like instead of me being like, oh, I wish I was here with like my best friend, like I was, and they were enjoying it like so much. Like he got so into it at some point. He had this button-up shirt. He takes it off and just whips it in the crowd. Like he's, I'm like, how are you going to get home? We have to take the subway home. You don't even have a shirt. But like, he got that lost in the music of like, I fuck the shirt. I don't need this. Like, I need to ditch this immediately. Um, so it's just, it was. Did he dive? Did he? Really... No, no, no. But but the first dude that did the look he gave me because some dude just you know, tears off the stage and he looked at me like, did you just see that? That was fucked. And he was like, oh my god. I'm like. Welcome to hardcore, dude. Yeah. You know, it was, it was like I don't know. I feel like some proud dad or something. You know, it was like amazing. But especially because he's like seeing a show like that in Japan. It's like, in, yeah. Imagine showing up something <laughs> in like you know, Connecticut, or like one of the places where they're like you know killing each other. Yeah, yeah. Was, um, and then like, so they like leave for a second. You know, you know they're coming back to an encore. But Helico like doesn't really like you know he doesn't know the score. So yeah. like. So he's like going full wrestler at this point. He's like, we're going to G him up. And he's like, come on, you guys. Like, give him all your energy. We're going to get him back out here. And like, but it was so cute that I was like, I'll just let him go. You know, whatever. And then they do come back out. And he thinks like he alone has like got them back out there. He's just like, they're coming back out for me. And like they play some song. And then Dwood comes over. Keeping in mind, I've met him this day. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, man, you know any misfits? I'm like, yeah, all of them. You know, I was in a Misfits cover band, I should add now at this point, for like six years. Really? <laughs> yeah. Six yeah. years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you must have gigged in this Misfits cover band. Uh, we, we like played in Detroit. Like Alex Shelley came to come see us in what? Detroit really? and stuff and did some shows in Cleveland and stuff. How long ago was this? Ooh, quite uh, 2003, wow. 2004. So, so were you wrestling too at the time? Yes. And so you're like doing this at this Because I remember our first show was in Cleveland like on Halloween night to open up for like this uh, American Werewolves. And then... Because, uh, like, Trevor asked us to do it. And we're like, this is so cool. And we're like, we need to practice. And then I got booked for, like, my first ever tour of Mexico. So I was gone the whole month before it. And I came home, like, two days before. And I'm like, well, guess we can't practice. Good thing it's only 77 to 83 misfits. <laughs> and, like, I guess we sort, already of, know. we sort of got it, I guess. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so it's like, you know, I'm, like, laughing at the question. of like, do you know? I'm like, yeah, I've heard of them, yeah. You know? <laughs> and then so I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I know it all. Why? And he's like, do you want to do hyper moments? 
the name of my Misfits cover band was Scream With Me. So I'm like, yeah, I know Hyper Moments, man. And he's like, he's like, all right, it won't be the next one, but it'll be the one after that. Like, you're going to do it. And I'm just like, dude, I'm in Tokyo, on stage with integrity, about to do hybrid moments. Like, this is the cool, I'm trying to explain it to Angelico as the, the song before it is playing. I'm like, this is the equivalent of, like, you wrestling Hulk Hogan in Madison Square Garden <laughs> or whatever your dream thing is. Yeah. Like, that is this now. I can't, I don't even know how to verbalize, like, oh my god. And I'm still thinking, like, he's going to sing, but just sort of, like, half give me the thing. I got, like, a proper intro. It's like, here's our friend from Cleveland. <laughs> Bam, Mike. Do, 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 do. Bam. I'm just like, <gasps> like, losing my mind. It was, it was the... So I want to get married someday. I want to have kids someday. But like up to this point, like it may have been the best moment of my life. Like, that was, is an amazing moment. I'm like, how do you even like? I was just so happy, and it was just like <laughs> grabbing Japanese dudes by the head because like that's my thing. It shows like grabbing dudes by the head, like half scary, like oh, is this dude gonna murder me or like sing in my face? Um, but I'm just like grabbing their heads or whatever and singing, and I'm like, oh, it was just it was the that's best. Amazing. It was, it was such a good night, and like. Everyone was just treated us so well. It was, it was it was really really amazing. That's awesome. So like when you, what's it like? I guess going to, you know, like obviously being in the ring, having the crowd kind of in the palm of your hand. Like compared to that, where you're like on stage doing a Misfits cover with integrity, you've got that crowd <laughs> in the palm of your hand. Like, is is it comparable at all, or is it? It's like completely different things. Well, it's interesting because I think as you progress in, in anything, you get more nuanced with what you are working on, so to speak. So when you start wrestling, you need to learn the moves. Yeah. But like a, a clothesline, you know, like my grandma can throw a clothesline. You know, a lot of the moves, if you're athletic, you can pick up the moves. So after that, then you start to get like, where do I place them? Or like, and then it's maybe what does my character do and where would he place them? And then like every two or three years, there's almost a, a step or something to take. So now this is my 17th year in wrestling. So now the things you look at are much more veiled and, and much more uh, philosophical almost. And it's not like, can I do a drop kick? Like, I can do all the moves. <laughs> yeah. So it's more of like, how do I make this connection and, and how do I foster that connection and how do I create an environment where that is uh, more palpable and stuff like that? So I have, the wrestling that resonated with me was ECW. That's what made me want to be a wrestler. That, that's by and large the only pro wrestling I've watched in my life. So I always kind of revisit that. of like, why did I, do I even like wrestling or did I just like ECW? And if I only liked ECW, why? But when I go back to it, it's because I was like this, I, you know, this this punk that was just discovering punk, and you're a sponge for it. You want to hear everything about it. So ECW to me, with the crowd being as involved, it was like another manifestation of punk. Like it's not it's not a band, it's not a song, but it was it was punk. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whereas if I was to watch wrestling on a Monday, I don't know if I get that experience of like I'm watching something that is punk yeah <laughs> I, i'm, I'm kind of watching you too or something that doesn't interest me so mm -hmm. it's like th that that connection and that energy from the crowd and that that craziness so it's weird to me because now i'm trying to what i, I like i want to be at that earth crisis show in 98 jumping off a stage i want to be crawling on top of people to sing my favorite lyric and to try to grab the mic i want to that's what i like mm -hmm. i like you know i think what people get out of like even like church or religion and stuff, it, we can we, we we get in punk rock, and it's like we all know the same words to the same songs, and we go through certain traditions wearing certain 
you know, like it's, it's, it's the same thing to me. And, yeah. if you, and if you're all together hoping and wishing for something or, or staying positive or whatever it is, it's like, wow, this is a lot of the same communal values that you can get from this thing. So I liked this idea of, 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 of not sweating on someone per se, but like, but, but jumping on the top of a pile and just being a part of this thing. And I think I saw that in ECW. So somewhat recently I, I've been trying to like carry that into my wrestling. So like, it's, it sounds almost bad to be like whether you like it or not, but I, I want to jump on you at this point for lack of a, like, I'm getting like really philosophical and now I'm just going to like... No, be, I want, I want, be, this be is like, amazing for me. Be like brunt about it because yeah. it, I realize that's what, that's what I like yeah. and I want to wrestle in a style that I like and that's what I, 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 I want to dive and maybe I want to hit you, maybe I want to dive onto you because I want that, that interaction to be physical mm-hmm. and to be real and then you're forced to be drawn into it because you are you're not you're no longer theoretically a part of it you are a part of it because i hit you and maybe you fell out of your chair or maybe i've jumped i did like fest wrestling the other month as a part of fest which was amazing and i did my dive out of the ring and you had that like nanosecond to think about it i'm like okay i did my dive cool and i was like i want to jump in the fucking crowd man and i was like oh maybe i shouldn't because maybe we'll lose the venue or maybe i'll hurt somebody maybe there's a lawsuit maybe I'll... there's all those moments and then i was like that's not what I thought about in 98 Earth Crisis. You fucking jump on people. Like, I'm going to walk on their heads. Here we go. So I was like, fuck it. You know, so I just jumped in the crowd. And I'm like, yeah. I'm so glad I did. I mean, and, and now given at a fest wrestling crowd, they're going to understand. Everyone there's pretty much a punk, so they get it. But I want to bring that into people that even don't get it, per se. Because maybe they will then turn that page of like, because that's a big part of like a punk to me. Is, is It's like, it's this connection that we have. I think mentally and agreeing with lyrics or, or like-minded individuals, but then that can carry over into like the physical realm of like, we are piled up on each other. We're all crammed in these little buildings and we're pumping our fists and singing along. And like, so I'm trying to bring that into wrestling. So I guess the, the, the long trail or long winded answer is, is like, so that like me singing with integrity or whatever, like grabbing these dudes heads and does that like interaction. It's like, I need to like grab somebody. So I want to figuratively grab the audience, but now I'm to the point where like, we always have known it's figuratively, but I'm like, no, fuck it. Now it's literally. Mm-hmm. Now I'm literally grabbing your head. Now I'm literally diving onto you. Now I want to literally, like, I want to, like, make contact with people, like, physically, <laughs> to, like, force them to be drawn into it. And and, and, I, and there's different, like, I'm not going to give away, like, trade secrets or whatever, but I've come up with different ways even of, like, incorporating that and, and making sure that those things happen because I think that's a big part of wrestling and live entertainment, especially at this independent level that we all are operating on. So it's not corporate stuff that, that has to be sanitized and it, and it, it can be, it's, it's about, it's, it's about the live experience. Like we go to shows how, you know, every second we can because we like that live experience. And that's the best way to, to experience music Search, someone can take a video of it from like a hard cam and, and put it on YouTube. And I've watched shows on YouTube. And when we do, if we, you know, we couldn't be there at Gilman in 90, whatever, <laughs> yeah. one to see or Operation Ivy or whatever it is. Um, so we'll watch the stuff because we couldn't be a part of it. But we, we wanted to be there. And the best we can get is a video. So I think that's almost how wrestling is. It's like you need to be there. If the best you can do is a DVD, then that's the best you can do. But you need to be there. And it's like, and, and I, and I want to make the, 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 experience as individualized and personal as I can for every person. So if it's like he, I mean, I remember being a kid and it's like, Oh, you're reaching out for Hulk Hogan. And if he touches your hand, your day's made and you take that home with you. Like that's your, that's your souvenir. So I, I, I want to, to foster that environment or to, to, to create those opportunities to like touch people figuratively and li- literally and stuff like that. And to make that, 
Because again, it's we're not operating at a level where it's like eight million people, and I can't like be there for all of them. And 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 even if it is a bigger crowd where you can't, to still have that mindset of like everybody, you know, is involved in the same thing together. And I think that I don't know how many guys like explore that. And I think that is coming from like the punk rock place of like I don't know if a normal person would 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 like hone in on that part of it or just you know. So now it's just like. I don't know. I'm trying to, I know that that's what speaks to me. So to be true to myself, I'm like, I, I'm bringing punk rock to these people, whether they think they, they want it or not, you know, maybe they won't like it. Maybe they don't. But I used to be more like, Oh, like it's a touch more timid or a touch more like, and I don't want to hurt anybody. And I don't no, want anyone to be uncomfortable, but, but, but I do want the same like, thing you want to do at a show. You want to bring yes. people in. That's why you're jumping all over people in the, when you're singing in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause that energy, you know, obviously, you know, it's like, it's, it's like reciprocal and it mm-hmm. needs to happen. And like, mm-hmm. I've been doing this for 17 years and I'm not young anymore. So it's like, I need them to want it. Like, cause it all hurts really bad. And mm-hmm. it, but, if, but if they're there, then okay, I'll willingly sacrifice quality years off my life for these moments. Like that's what I've signed up for. But when you don't get that energy, then it's like, this is really foolish and I'm falling on my head for what? But you know, <laughs> I think like to me, wrestling has always been the ultimate punk rock sport because it, it subverts sport yeah yeah, like yeah. It's, it's the only thing that's that's far more real than the audience will ever know yeah but at the same time like the audience i don't know like it just to me is like the thing that understands how all sport it has to be played to entertainment but also yeah i don't know it's the punk yeah the punk of sports just it really is and the physicality and just everything it's all it's all there i mean <laughs> i came from again a gymnastics background so it's very dry you know it's very rigid a judge the is, classical music of sports yes and it was just you know you can't have your own style it's just mm-hmm. like there's a code of points and, and the literal stick figures that are drawn out to how the move is executed and if it's not done like that then points are executed and like that's yeah. not very punk rock you know no. so all of a sudden i see this thing where it's like oh i can like tweak out a moonsault and now it's not a deduction it's my version of it i'm like <laughs> that's way cooler so like it was very inviting as far mm-hmm. as like the creativity was like oh, it's not stifling and so much more is available to you. So that was, you know, early on in wrestling, I'm like, yeah, like this, you know? <laughs> it feels like pro wrestling is almost having like a punk rock moment too where the rules are kind of changing. And it's like, you know, people like yourself that have really carved these paths now. But it it, it feels like, I don't know, like there's like an energy around wrestling that is different than it was a couple years ago certainly it's like in the past two years yeah because like the first 15 i was in and not to be like cynical but like it was just by the books like going down i'm not saying like oh whoa, it was me and it was like oh it was helpless i was still doing it but it was like if you had to like put on some kind of graph it, it was going down and only in these past like two years is it like wait a minute it's coming up again like and we were always sold the idea that the business is cyclical and it'll come back around but i'm like yeah that's pre like have you seen the video games nowadays? Have you seen the internet? Like, have you seen our phones? Have you yeah. seen the rise of MMA? I'm like, I don't know if it's coming back. Um, but it is, but I, I think it's more, it speaks to like culturally, because like even in bands, like you don't have to be on the biggest label now to release something. Like you can self-release it. So it's like in so many other elements of life, like the power is kind of, the power shift is different. It's like more in our hands. So it's like more, more people, like we can be the bands we want to hear or whatever, you know? So it's like, it's, these people can create companies the way that they want to, and we can wrestle in a way that we want to, and bands can release stuff themselves, and with the internet, it can get out to that same audience without having to be, like, through some official channel. Mm-hmm. So it's like everyone has a voice, and I think that's happening in, like, all entertainment 
you know, and I think it's happening in, in wrestling as well. Yeah, like I think it's it, like you're saying, the means of production are now in the hands of the artist. Right. And so it's like when punk had that thing where like, oh, we can all make tapes. We can all photocopy these zines. We can create our own network. You don't need a company to, to make you a star now. You can make yourself a star right. and travel the world. And and that means of production of star making is now in the hands of the wrestlers themselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's a really exciting time to be a fan. Oh, yeah. Too. And to be a part of it. Like, I could have easily... To be a part of it must be exciting. I could have left a year ago, two years ago, five years ago yeah. and kind of missed this period yeah. and looked from the outside and been like, oh, man. So I'm just so grateful to be a part of it now when it, like, there's this power shift mm-hmm. and, and I mean you know better than I do but it wasn't like kind of Black Flag that was the first band to be like we're just going to book our own tour and we're just well actually since we're in Canada DOA okay DOA uh, was the band that I Black they gave Black Flag their like address book of the first phone numbers oh cool but, See, but, you know that's once again just because I'm in Canada so we have to respect <laughs> the Hart family here we have to respect uh, DOA <laughs> nice <laughs> but you're right but that, no, idea were, yeah, like, that idea of like that idea oh we're just going to do it yeah and it's like whoa like like when I started, there's no outline or blueprint or, you know, like, it's not like, oh, here's how you do it. It was like, mm-hmm. but, but, but coming up with these bands and being like, I don't know, they figured it out. I'll figure it out. Like, just, we can do it. So it's like, it's, but it's like you and Colt and like, there's like a, a, yeah, yeah. a crop of guys that were, it seems like the first guys that, you know, were like the, you know, and this sounds like now I'm being derogatory, but like guys that were like proudly independent. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I'll credit him because I, uh, Joey Ryan was the one that said Joey Ryan it, to me was like, he's like, the way he explained it, and I thought it was pretty, you know, beautiful, really. He was like, uh, what we do, specifically like the Colt Cabanas and Joey Ryans and, and Matt Crosses or whatever, it's like it, it, independent wrestling or what we do is, is a lifestyle in the same way that like more than music, it's a way of life. You know, like yeah. it's not, it's yeah. not, it's the same thing. It's like. This isn't, and that's why some guys who, who you know, either leave WWE or, or asked to leave, whatever, sometimes they don't, they don't get that. And things were not handed to them, and not that they had to work hard, but, but they don't understand that, like, this is now not, it's not really a job. It's not like a thing that you do. It's like, it is a lifestyle. Like, we, we, we live it. Like, you have to just, not that we're on the road every day, but, but you have to embrace that, like, I mean, I, we're pirates. Like, we're mm-hmm. modern day pirates, and we're just... But it's no it's no secret to people in this this punk rock world because that's what bands are doing. We're traveling around and we're sleeping on couches and we're doing what we love and you know like way harder than bands do though. <laughs> the drives maybe. are way the tr- drives are way longer in wrestling <laughs> and the shows are way more uh, harsh. I'm, I'm sure the grass is always greener because I, I do I am always like Man. I've done both now because okay. like for the show I've gotten a, a chance to be on the road. Yeah. I can tell you, it's way harder in wrestling than it is. Oh, thank you. Way harder. <laughs> way harder. Anyone in bands that says otherwise is fooling themselves. Oh, I like it. I like it. Thank and you. And there's yeah. no rider at the end of that long ride. Because it seems like, I mean, like primarily, especially in the States, we can only really wrestle on the weekends. Yeah. So I'm like, man, if I was a band, I'd be wrestling on a Monday and a Tuesday <laughs> and a Wednesday. And like whenever I'm in Cleveland and like or they'll announce something and it's like Integrity's doing a show, I think in April or whatever. And I'm like, sick. And I'm like, my buddy was like, did you hear about it? And I'm like, please tell me it's Tuesday. Please tell me it's Tuesday. He's like, no, it's Saturday night, man. I'm like, I can't go to that. Like, that's the worst. And so I'll be jealous of bands. I'm like, they can like do stuff every day of the week. And then I'm like, they're with all their buddies, theoretically. Like, I've done so many things that were just like breathtakingly amazing. And I'm either like by myself or with like a <laughs> random dude, like watching some romantic sunset somewhere. And I'm like, I really wish this was my either actual buddy or like 
God forbid, a female for one. So I'm like, just me alone or some dude. And it's like, man, bands would have like their buddies with them. And I'm like, that's the only thing I envy of your lifestyle is the fact that you don't have to travel with a group of band members. Okay, okay. That's the one thing. <laughs> that's the one thing where I'm like, no, actually, what you're describing now, experiencing all of this on my own, would be actually. <laughs> Kind of preferable. And okay, I'm sure so they would prefer to not have me there too. Right. So, so there's a little bit of the grass that was greener. <laughs> that's I'm where the sure grass is. That you're right. Now I'm you sure found it exists. It. Now you found it. <laughs> but it, it's you're right. Like you you've got the way. It, it's the very similar kind of like mindset. Like you're the Fugazi. You're the Black Flag. Like you're the guys that are carving this path. And now it's not a you know derogatory term to be an indie guy. Like because it's like. Why wouldn't you want to be on the independence right now? It's like, you know, you proud, proudly independent. Yeah. Like in the same way in, in, you know, I'm sure prior to, you know, Black Flag, once again, like, uh, you know, all the DIY bands in the UK, it wasn't cool to be an independent band. Yeah. But now it's like, I would never want to be on a major label. And it's funny when there's like an outsider almost that doesn't like get it per se, or they only understand wrestling under a certain context or, or fame under a certain context, which, you know, and they're like, you ever want to like make it or whatever? And it's like, I'm doing it, man. Yeah, that like, happens I'm, in music too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, you ever want to try to, it's exactly, it's, yeah. like, it's like, no, dude, like I'm doing it. Like I wrestle every weekend in some state or country around the world, like, Hanging and I've always been. I say this all the time nowadays too. Like there are tons and tons of guys in wrestling that make more money than me. Tons. There are tons and tons and tons of guys that are more famous than me for sure. Tons. You know, obviously. Uh, I don't know if anyone has more fun in professional wrestling than me. Like I don't. I don't. Know if anybody does. You know. And it's like, and I do that intentionally. So it's like, I was doing an APW show in uh, you know Northern California at the Cow Palace just a couple weeks ago, and but my buddy moved out that way. So I'm like, well, I don't want to just go in just for the show. So. To, can I please come in on the Tuesday? And that way I can spend that whole week in the Bay Area, like, mm-hmm. hanging out with my buddy. And then, like, Rancid did that band together thing. So I was, like, Rancid and the Grateful Dead and, like, uh, uh, G-Eazy and, like, Metallica and stuff. I'm like, what a, what a crazy <laughs> show. So I'm at that on a Thursday, like, because of pro wrestling. Yeah. And then it was, like, from there to, like, Denver to – and then from there to Chicago and then from there to home. But, like, I always try to, like – like not milk these trips, but like I always try to like utilize them or, or, or always go somewhere early or stay somewhere late or like, cause it is like, it's, it's going back to like that. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not just a job and it's not just like, Oh, make some money and like whatever. Like it's like, I, I want this life on the road and I want, this is what I, I've like people are like, what are your goals and dreams? And I'm like, exactly this. Like, please just last forever. I know it can't like, that's the only problem with wrestling is like, it's more finite <laughs> and you don't get to people like, what are you going to do it to? It's like, Till the wheels fall off, oh, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> um, if it could last forever, like, I won. Like, I won, you know? Like, your podcast is my favorite non-wrestling podcast. I'm doing it right <laughs> now. Dude, I won, you know? Like, that's, like, these things mean a lot to me. Like, it's really cool. And it's, like, these, these opportunities that, like, I was talking, like, my friend who moved out to the Bay Area, he had a friend that doesn't know who I am and stuff. And then your podcast came up, and we're talking about it. Like, oh, turn it up on. Cool, cool, cool. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. And they're like... You mean listen to it? You should check it out. It's good. I'm like, no, no, I think I'm going to be on it. And they couldn't even, because they don't know, they're like, don't know who I am. And I'm nobody, but whatever, you know. But they were just like, why would you be on it? You know, <laughs> like, no, but that's, it's like, but it's like, once again, it keeps coming back to being like music. But that's the same way, right? Like, Ian Mackay walks into any bar on random college street across the world. Good chance there's 90% of people there aren't going to know him. But yeah. the 10% that do are going to freak <laughs> the fuck out. And yeah, like, yeah. 
that's the thing that I want to be. And like, no one's telling you how to do your art, you know, like you're talking about, you know, the style you're doing now and how you want to change it. And you're going to do this thing and that thing now. And it's like, that's like, you don't have to put it through eight steps of approval to be allowed to do that in the same way. Like when you're in a band and you're not on a major label, you don't have management issues. You don't have to answer to anybody. It's your art. Yeah. You're in control of it. And like, to trade that away, it's like, why would you want to do that? Like, uh, it would change what you do. Like Josh Prohibition, um, you know, he's married, has two beautiful girls, he's a teacher, he's got a house, he's got everything. So he left wrestling uh, for two or three years, mm-hmm. and then he came back. And I'm like, why would this guy, you know, I've always thought of it as being very similar. And I've always thought, oh, when it's done, it's done, I'll walk away. And then when he... You know, for lack of a better term, couldn't. I was like, whoa. You know, because this is the bug you always hear about. And I was like, yeah. again, like wife, house, kids, job, security, everything. Why would you come back to falling on your head for nothing? Like, I don't, I don't even, I don't even get it. You know, it was like just this mind blowing type thing. Um, totally lost my train of thought with that. But um, no. Well, why would he do it? Why would he come back? Yeah, I had some point to He's- make. But, but uh, yeah, it was just like. It just is crazy. Um, yeah, like why would you? Why would you? Why would you do this thing? But it's like, oh, and I remember him saying, because I'm like, like, please, exp- like, like, literally, please explain that to me as, as like your one of your best friends. Like, why, why? And he's like, you don't understand. And we take for granted the freedoms that we have within pro wrestling until it was gone. He's like, I'm a teacher now. I can't walk into my history class kick over the trash can, call the fat kid fat, and whatever, you know? <laughs> Just standard wrestling type things. Yeah. He's like, I have to, I'm a teacher, and I'm a father, and I have to, like, you gotta, I don't fall in line, for lack of a better term. Like, you have to do these certain things. He's like, when have you, in your life in wrestling, gotten in trouble? Name a time you've gotten in trouble. And I was like, oh, crap, yeah. 17 years, I've never been, gotten in trouble ever. And I thought of it this past the show in Cleveland for Absolute Intense Wrestling on Friday. And we're brawling around the ring. And then there was concession stand. And I'm like, oh, that'd be funny if I got some combos. So I stole a bag of combos. Didn't even, I was taking a shower that night. And I was like, oh, grab the combos. I'm like, grab the combos. Or grab the combos. I stole them. <laughs> like, you can't. I can't just be in the crowd and take. So I, I took them. Did a dive off this little mini balcony-esque thing onto these guys with the bag. And then tried to, like, open it Stone Cold style and just throw the combos everywhere. I'm like, I can't walk into anywhere and A, steal something, and then go to the gas station and just throw it in the air and make yeah. a big mess. And no one was like, hey, buddy, like, you can't do... And I was just, like, acutely aware of, like, this is what Josh was talking about. Like, I didn't even... Like, I almost take it so for granted that I'm like, what do you mean you can't just do that? You know? Yeah. And I was like, oh. And and, and I've, I've done this every week for 17 years, so that, that hasn't been taken from me. So it's like, I don't... I don't realize the freedoms that I have, because it is like... Whoa, this is liberating. I can, like you said, it's not even in Lucha Underground. Like we're not really, it, 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 it compared to what I've heard of other places. Like we're given pretty much a lot, if not ultimate. That's freedom, what it seems like. Where it's like, and I think that's why this show's so good. Yeah. It's like, hey, you guys are pro wrestlers. You're the best at it. So why don't you just do that thing? Yeah. And then the camera guys are told the same. The writers are told the same. So everyone's just trusted to do what they do, and then it comes out with an awesome product, as yeah. opposed to it being micromanaged and but again I didn't I didn't appreciate on some degree that freedom I had and, and now I'm just sort of trying to be more cognizant of it because I'm like oh yeah I can't just take the combos and make a big mess and like it's also like one of the last sort of outlaw profession <laughs> yeah well like because you know it's it that's true it, it is illegal on some level like <laughs> right. you're, you're you're tricking the local gaming association that's giving you a license and 
and like and it's like you you travel around with really no one as your boss yeah you know just kind of making up your own rules it is yeah stealing yeah. combos right across the way right even going to other countries and like you know sometimes you have a work visa and sometimes yeah. you don't so you're yeah. visiting friends and you know and you're like wait a minute this is like yeah it is like I never like that puts it in a, kind of a nicer a, nice, a nicer nicer box but I like that like outlaw kind of moniker or whatever yeah that is true it's like literally yeah. yeah it's also like if I'm I'm like music which is I've also I'm always intrigued to find out you know someone who's from this music scene like it seems like punk the whole thing on punk is come in do this like mm-hmm. do exactly what we're doing whereas wrestling's like a lot of it is don't <laughs> ever come across this line like right. don't you ever come across or then you're in our world so you don't do what we're doing yeah. Like it seems like that that's like the big difference between punk and wrestling is there's like very like what you want the audience to do based on what they see you do. Like don't try this at home. Right. Versus go out and start your own band immediately after that this is, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that always spoke to me too. Yeah. I think like I think like the Sex Pistol said it or the Clash said it, you know, something like it's like we're not like good or whatever. Like we're just like served to inspire you and like didn't the whole thing rise? Because there's like people couldn't relate to like these big stadium yeah. rock bands or Pink Floyds or Led Zeppelins or whatever. Because it's like, what is even going on? Like we need to like the Ramones. It's like, oh yeah, that's three chords. Like I feel like I can learn that in a day. Like this is sweet. Like I can do that. Like yeah, well, you're right. What brought you into wrestling? Like what was the thing that where you were like, I can come across. I can go to the other side of the curtain. Uh, ECW. ECW. Yeah, and that was because as a freshman or sophomore in high school, wearing my straight edge shirt. Seeing Josh Prohibition, he's wearing his straight edge shirt. He's now giving me a ride home from the Earth Crisis show where a buddy's been killed, and like, uh, he was really into wrestling. Yeah. So I wanted to be friends with like the the, the older classmen or whatever. Uh, I didn't like wrestling. This is even in high school. Um, and I remember like I was talking on the phone, and he was like, "Hey man, you gotta come over and check out this like pay per view." And, and I was, I'm like, "Oh, I never was never allowed to get a pay per view of anything." So I was like, <laughs> what, "What are you talking about? You know, it's crazy." My parents, what are you talking about? Uh, and he's like, "Oh, it's this wrestling thing." I wanted to hang out with this dude so bad and I still told him no because that's how much I didn't like wrestling and if these people in high school could see me now right um, I was like ah oh, nah man and it it, pain, it hurt me to say that because I was like I want to hang out with this dude so bad uh, but I was like I don't I don't like wrestling you know and he's like oh no you gotta come check it out I was like I just you know I'm, I'm familiar with it you know I don't this doesn't nah I'm good and he's like, it's a thing called ECW. And I remember thinking, like, okay, how bad can it be? I'll go over there for one thing. Just because I want to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, maybe we'll talk music afterwards. Uh, and then I went over there. I wasn't familiar with ECW. So Shane Douglas comes out, says, cut the fucking music. I've never seen a pay-per-view in my life, so you can't swear on a TV. Yeah. This is the first time I've ever seen somebody swear on, on a TV. I don't even know what pay-per-view is. So I'm like, how did you? Oh, my God. Like, we're, we're in trouble at home. You know, I'm sweating. Like, oh, that guy just swore. Oh, my God. Like, what like I, I just saw it I'm accomplice to this crime or something um, you know and the New Jack's jumping off everything while rap music's playing during the match I'm like that's punk the crowd's going crazy throwing chairs everybody's bleeding for some reason uh, Tajiri's doing these flips and, and Super Crazy's doing these flips that I'm doing in gymnastics that I'm like dude these guys these guys are athletes this is like athletic showcase um, people hitting people with guitars I'm like what is go-? I'm like this isn't wrestling I don't know what we just watched it was three hours of it's not wrestling as I understand it, but it ruled. Like, so what, when's the next one of these things? He's like, oh, they do them every month, and I'm like, oh yeah, um, <laughs> and, and just watching that because again, it was, so it was probably specifically like super crazy into Jerry and stuff like that, where I was like, these dudes are gymnasts. Like, I get it, and I'm doing things that are comparatively 
impossible. Or it's like my dismount off high bar was a was a full twisting double backflip. And then I'm watching Super Crazy in wrestling do a single backflip that I learned at 10. Yeah. And this crowd is just like, ah, like throwing everything. And like the crowd's practically bleeding. And I'm like, wait, I can do that. <laughs> you know? And I was like, this is awesome. And Josh had three younger brothers. So he's, you know, already doing back at wrestling with them or whatever. Yeah. So I'm just, and again, it's pre-internet stuff. So the ECW pay-per-view would end. I'm like, more, 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 more. And he's like, well, there is no more you know there's no youtube or whatever so he's like me and my buddies like my brothers beat each other up you want to watch this and i'm like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. put it in and they're hitting sure your backyard tape yeah yeah yeah. so they're you know just yeah. doing early early backyard stuff and barbed wire and ladders and all the thing and they don't really i'm just getting to know them so i'm like you know i could do a backflip and they're like no way and i'm like yeah i could do it like right now dude and they're like no way so i get do it in his basement or something they're like bah. i'm like what are you gonna do the next thing i'll come over and i'll flip on you guys you know like <laughs> let's do this so it was definitely you know yeah of course you're not supposed to do it at home but it's definitely seeing ecw and being like rad Ooh, but, yeah. I, but i never ever 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 would have thought like we'll beat each other in the backyard and then you know it'll be like a career in like <laughs> 17 or 18 years or i remember in college like talking to an advisor like the year I graduated and I was talking to her, talking to her, getting to meet her or whatever. I think we had to make a resume as part of like an exercise. And I'm like, I can't, I've done professional underpants fighting. So like, I have no, <laughs> I can't put any, what am I, my resume is just a blank piece of paper with my name on the top. Yeah. And, and why haven't you ever, ever, ever done anything? <laughs> so I was like, I can't even participate in this exercise. Cause I'm just like an outlaw, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the guidance counselor says to me after getting to know me and stuff, she's like, Oh, so you're really career focused. And I laughed because I'm like, I don't even have a job. How can I be career focused? Like, again, I wear underpants and I simulate combat around the world. Like, what are you talking about? But but I hadn't honed in all these things that she was making me aware of, of like, okay, so your your buddy got married and you did what? And I'm like, well, I had to wrestle that day, so I had to miss it. And she's like, your graduation happened from college and, and what happened? I'm like... I missed it for wrestling. She's like, and your sister's graduation? I'm like, oh, I missed it for wrestling. And this birthday, and this, and this, and this. She's like, you're, so you're career focused. And I was like, whoa. Like, that was a moment in my life where I was like, I'm, I am? But I, I never thought, I still don't think of it. Wait, it's still like laughable because it's like, again, I put on underpants and I prance around. Like, what are you talking about? Like, co- career. Uh, but I was like, I guess I am. Or it was that weird thing of like, but I never would have thought in terms of that. I still don't. But even especially when we're like back at wrestling, you know, I wouldn't have thought like, oh yeah, this is definitely what I'll do like for the next like you know like however many like twenty years is what I'll be doing. So we couldn't even conceptualize that this was like a thing. And and, and I wouldn't have even pursued it if it wasn't for punk bands being like, you know, specifically like for me against me it was just such a such a big thing where it was like. I don't know. Their lyrics just spoke to me, and it's like there's this there's this distance beyond the freeway, and I, it's just everything that they would say, and we do this all because we have to, not because we know why, and all that stuff hit. I was like, because I, I I don't even know why I do it to this day. I just did three matches this week. I go to Europe next week. I don't I don't know what I'm doing, but but I ha- but I I do it because I have to, not because I want why. And I remember looking for that answer, looking for it, looking for it, and and like one of my best friends in wrestling is Sami Zayn, and I'm trying to go through this with him just as as a friend, like as a like a bootleg psychology session and being like, well, what is this? What are we searching for or whatever? And he's like, he was the one that was like, kind of honed me in on that. He's like, we do it because we have to, not because we know why. He's like, why do you think you play against me? And I was just like, yes. And like, so much of that was just, I was like, I don't know what this is or how to do it or, but, but it's, but it's worth pursuing. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, the first time I saw them was like 2001 or 2002. They played in Akron, Ohio and the opening bands played 
up on the stage, which is how I understand music to be, and then they set up in front of it on the ground. So before they'd even hit a note, I was like, what is what is going on? Like, these dudes just set up their instruments in front of the stage. And I was just like, it just, it meant so much to me before they hit a note. And I was, I was just, I'm like, I'm on board of whatever these dudes are doing. And it was like, because that's what it's all about. Like you said earlier, like we're, we serve to inspire. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a makeup artist or a writer or a novelist or whatever it is. Like, you can do it. Like, you can do it. Like, put the work in and just, and just start doing it. And like, that's the world that we're in. And especially for wrestling. I was, I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. And, and let's, here we go. And let's see what happens. And it's like. I don't that I want that to be like something that people can like I don't know latch on to because it's not I have no special powers or whatever but like I just I, I to this day I work hard and even when Lucha Underground got announced I wasn't like okay now I'm, I'm gonna be on TV so I'm just like done working it's like every day it's like eating every two and a half hours and going to the gym and, and, and doing all the stuff that needs to be done to, to make that happen but to make this life that, that I want um, so I'm gonna work for myself and work for this thing you know that, that I want and, and again that was just like this that, that DIY ethos of like I don't know figure it out and, and do it but I've been like if, if I have a skill or and the skill it's just like I, I I feel blessed to have discovered this music that was like in a nutshell almost like no nah, man you can do it mm-hmm. and like that was the takeaway and I was like oh yeah yeah I'll do it you know <laughs> it was just like with the minor third aspect of like you know clear mind or whatever I'm like yeah it's me all the time and here we go and I'm just gonna figure it out and I'm gonna do it there's gonna be ups and downs and whatever and it's like it's just like it's cool that that can be instantly gratifying in in a way, or like you could see the fruits of your labor because you like you put in this work in the gym or whatever it is, or writing promoters or or, or or getting instant feedback at a show, and then you can like just kind of take that in and move forward with it, and it's just a cool world to be involved in, you know. And it's like, and again, I wouldn't have been able to to do that without without the music background, without ECW, like showing me the the platform that wrestling can uh, provide and being like, dude, these guys are all clearly crazy. Like, now outlaws my favorite word. Uh, so now I'm like, these dudes are all clearly outlaws. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Literally. Some, on, some actual literal outlaws yeah, definitely in that locker room. For sure. And I'm like, they're doing it. So, like, I want to do this. So, yeah, it, would, it, would, it was ECW that for sure was like, yeah, this. <laughs> but I think that is your superpower. Like, that dedication you're talking about. So few people have it, you know, and that's like why I think you're able to excel, especially the path you you followed in wrestling, I think as a much more difficult path because you required you to actually make it yourself, you know, yeah. and, and and I think the fact that you were able to do it, you know, I think all now that you were talking about this music thing, I think also ECW is kind of like the Stooges, the <laughs> MC5 and the Velvet Underground all combined yeah, yeah. for what they did to wrestling and the way those three bands changed rock and roll. Yeah. Because they really, like, it's when you think about, like, all the stuff that came out of that, be it, like, American Lucha stuff or, or, or like, hardcore wrestling or even seeing Japanese stuff come over and, like, just amazing all the stuff that was given exposure. You know, True. Like, through that. <laughs> so. I guess that's another thing I never really thought. You're right, right. Because I didn't know what Lucha Libre was. And yeah. It's super crazy and stuff. And you're like, oh, okay. And, and then, yeah. And they're bringing over like Hayabusa and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, there's a whole other, like, and then you start learning about like FMW or yeah. whatever and like deathmatch stuff. And it's like, I didn't know, like, these dudes are bleeding and this is a thing. And like. Well, it's kind of the same way also, like, you know, the, the same way ECW or the same way, like, 
all those bands inspired the next wave of bands that gave birth to punk. It's like ECW inspired this whole generation of wrestlers that are giving birth to this whatever the next moment we're in right now. Yeah. Which is like a real, you know, once again, exciting time to be a fan. Oh, and it's only going to get more nuts. Like at some point it'll level off, but like we're still, I believe, like a good ways away from that. So like this year so was one of the craziest years in wrestling. And like next year that trend will continue. I can like guarantee it, you know? So it's like, it's even more exciting because all these things were like, two and three and certainly five years ago were like inconceivable and now it's like every day it's almost like what what's happening and it's like it's going to go that way more as like the whole business and the way we've just like accepted it and it's been for so long it's just like morphing like real time and it's like even at the highest levels it's like I don't know what we're figuring it out as opposed to like this is the way it is like that's all changing so it's only going to get more nuts like kind of moving forward for at least you know a good six months a year two years or whatever like kind of the 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 miniature uh foreseeable future it's like just pure exciting i think Mm -hmm. i definitely feel that like and it feels like i don't know like wrestling's finally caught up with where where everything else is culturally like where the artists have control over their their work yeah I, i don't listen to the same bands that like my grandparents do mm-hmm. i don't watch the same movies they did even if they had movies back then you know it's like I, the, like every form of entertainment has evolved except for wrestling for the longest time you mm-hmm. know like wrestling was the only thing my grandma literally liked wrestling what would she have watched back in the day it probably was some version of a big arena with a ring in the middle with two dudes doing wrestling yeah it's the same thing we're like kind of given today and it's like i don't go home and put like the record on the crazy whatever those old school record players with the big horn thing and like the gramophone that's not what I'm listening to like you know hardcore stuff with like my grandma would like I don't know die or something if she heard it you know it's like but that was like this weird evolution of like you know or pocket that you could take that sound and it's like but wrestling didn't do that Mm -hmm. until like now-ish I feel Mm -hmm. like and now it's finally like Oh wait, we should evolve too. And it's like we've been so behind with everything, and just even the way it's presented, it's always been like it's such a bad example. But the one I keep using now, it's like like wrestling is always like do 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 wrestling, and like that's what we're like given to accept. And it's like it doesn't have to be this hokey, lame like it can just be filmed beautifully and and shown in slow motion and these beads of sweat. That like I remember watching it growing up, being like, "Oh, they're acting to hurt now. They're acting that can't get up. Just get up." I do it now. There's so many moments where I swear on my life, I'm on the ground and I can't get up. I can't get up, even if I wanted to. I'm not acting like I'm hurt. I can't <laughs> yeah. get up, and it's like, man. But I think people are starting to like come around on that. And when you see when wrestling's not presented in this like wrestling, it, it it can be presented beautifully and artistically, like so many other things are, and shot differently. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, with these like high speed, like high frame rate stuff where it's just slow motion. You could see the artistry at work and, and the physicality and, and what's at play. And like, like I said, I touched on earlier, I went to Japan last month and I met a Japanese fellow that day and I don't speak any Japanese and he didn't speak any English. And we met at what, four or five o'clock and then we did a show at six. How's that happen? It's like, like it, it's, there's like, it's like jazz. Like there's very few things where you can have two people go in that don't speak the same language and, and connect. Right. And, and create it, something. It's like, why is what I do hokey and lame? Okay, like, you're a musician, so if you and I got together, and you're like, alright, I'm gonna play this guitar riff, and you talk about it, 
And then I, as a very, very poor, shitty drummer, was like, okay, and I'm going to like hit this beat or whatever. And we talk about it. And then after talking about this theoretical song, <laughs> before a paying audience tonight, we play yeah. it for the first time ever. That is what pro wrestling is. Now, you look me in the eye and tell me that is fake or lame or anything, and I'll fight you right now. Because, oh, like, no. what are you talking about? And where's the difference? Like, that is the analogy. And I think people are, are catching up to that and being like, Holy crap, because if a musician did that, they'd be a genius, they'd be amazing. That's what we do every single weekend of our lives, and it's like, <laughs> that lame stuff. I'm sorry, what? Like, dude, blow the doors off and tell everyone everything, you know? It's like, I show up at the building today, doors are are, are, are let, are, are open, people are coming in, I'm meeting my opponent for the first time, we're talking about something, we don't touch each other, we don't even talk about every part of it, we talk about some parts of it, and then we do it for the first time, like, that's insane, it's insane, and these people, like, we grow up and at some point someone tells us it's fake, and then we're like, oh god, whatever, and then there's this idea that we're like on the phone months ahead of time, being like, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do... Like or scripts handed to you before and right. breaking down move A equals move B then yeah even like choreographs is a heavy word because <laughs> like you know I've, I've been a part of like gymnastics routines that were choreographed that we then practiced four days a week for four hours a day for months that's mm-hmm. my idea of choreographed you know like my sister was involved in ballet like these performances they put on were choreographed me talking to a dude when we're about to do it in a half an hour and it's like. That's you know like a like a dangerous dangerous use of the word like choreographed is like is it? Or is it like- and it's also it's dangerous. Like right. that's the thing that I think one thing that I've I knew as a fan that it was dangerous, but I think being around it this year I've gotten to see that it's far more dangerous than I ever and, thought. And 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 not even in the when something goes wrong is the big misconception. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, it's dangerous cuz if something goes wrong." No, dude, I'm falling on my back. It's not a yep. magic show. I didn't like <laughs> wink wink. I actually fell on my butt, but it looked like I fell on my back. <laughs> yeah. I fell on my human back, which is made of bones and muscles and blood vessels. You can't do that forever. Yep. At some day, I'll fall on my back. And I won't be able to fall on my back anymore. That'll be it. And I don't get to pick that. And I don't know when it'll happen. But that's just the reality of it. There is no, like, not when something goes wrong, when something goes right. That's how I liked it. It was like the, the Roger Ebert or one of the movie dudes when they reviewed the movie The Wrestler. And they had this, like, beautiful review of it. And it was like, they weren't wrestling fans. And they were like, it opened my eyes to this this art form because it showed me that, like, they're not just getting hurt when something goes wrong. They're aiming to get hurt in a way that they're planning out ahead of time. So they want to get hurt in the way that they signed up for. And I'm like, that's, yes. Like, this guy nailed it. He's not even part of our world. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe I know he's kicking me in the head. Uh, I'm getting kicked in the head. Here comes the fight. Go. Yeah, and now he's kicked me in the head. (laughs) I don't know. Like, he kicked me in the head. You know, there's there's very few things that are smoke and mirrors. You know, it's like there's so much of, like, and, and it happens before you... Real like it's a real live stunt show with with no retakes that you see unfold before you, mm-hmm. and it's like you don't go watch a stunt show and you're like lame or whatever. And it's like we're doing a, an unchoreographed stunt show that we don't perform three times a day for for this whole run of shows or whatever. It's a different thing with a different person every day that you're trusting in front of different audiences, and it's well, just, especially now yeah. with, with stuff that you do and Air Fox and Ricochet and sure. James Strickland. It's like. It's like a, a Wu Ping fight scene with no wires, <laughs> right? And, and and no second takes, and yeah. No stunt people, and you've talked about part of it. <laughs> yeah, you've talked about part yeah. of it, and then it, just start with a punch, happened. buddy. Go. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's it it's uh, yeah. How could someone not look at this seriously and then walk away thinking of it as anything other than like the most physical art form in the world, right? 
and it's I'm definitely a firm believer. Yeah, in a yeah. far more intense art form than music could ever hope to be. And and I, and I think people are warming up to that. And as like you yeah. know, like Rolling Stone has done some articles about. I think it the fan that. evolved. Like the fan has evolved. There's now like a, and it's not like you know to the point where they're all critics now being like co- complaining. Like I think there's definitely that, but there's sure. always been that. Yeah, yeah. I think there's now like a, a fan that understands it, but from a fan perspective, obviously not from an insider's perspective, but mm-hmm. then because of that appreciates it and yeah. like can appreciate all of it in a very different way than the, the old fans. Yeah. That some people want us to go back to. Right. Right. To. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole, the whole art form is evolving. That's what's mm-hmm. like, that's what's exciting to be a part of too. Cause like, what will it become? And then like how accepted will it be? And, and it's, it's all, yeah, it's just there is like it's being looked at with like these fresh eyes for the first time. Like it's not acceptable anymore to be like, oh, that that's this. It's like that's what you were told it was at some point. Now it's different. Like now it needs to be like revisited. I'm not saying everyone has to like it or appreciate it. Like you could revisit it and be like, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. That's that's fine. But like, I would hope that you'd at least respect an element of it or or, or the sacrifices or drives or things that the, the guys are doing that are involved. It's very real and we're passionate about it you know well the problem is mcdonald's is dictating what the hamburger is in wrestling and <laughs> yeah there's a lot of other types of hamburgers out there yeah that's very good someone <laughs> someone that said that to me i wish i remembered because i would credit them but they said that what we all accept as wrestling is one family's view of it mm-hmm. by and large mm-hmm. and i was like whoa that hit me hard because i was like you're right yeah, it's like in every museum i went to the museums here in toronto and it was monet and i went back to cleveland and it was monet and detroit was monet and here we go to san diego and it's monet and then i saw the first Rembrandt in Sweden and I was just like what the fuck like you yeah, know like it's just blowing my mind oh my god like you you could do that like and I, that's what's starting to happen because it's like there's other artists for like the first time ish yeah. <laughs> so it's like like ECW was a different artist like which underground is a different artist and like, I think it's even been a detriment to them that their version of wrestling has become so set in stone that they even have people that are there wrestling that aren't doing that but it just gets Blends into the noise. Yeah, yeah. You don't even get to see it because it's so McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a good analogy. We could talk wrestling forever. Right. You, got, you guys have a long night, and I'm really sorry for making you sit here and listen to this whole thing for hours. And hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this has been amazing. Dude, This is. I'm so happy we finally got to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, me too, dude. Um, I did want to ask you, do you think Josh Prohibition, he's the first straight-edge wrestler, right? Um, Does he beat CM Punk to it? All of us were the same time. Well, all you guys at the same time. All of us, because I remember hearing because Josh and I were already straight edge. Yeah, and then I remember like uh, JT who trained me. Um, his son's passed away, but uh, he had like a good good eye for that kind of stuff, and he brought in CM Punk and Cole Cabana. Uh, so and like CM Punk came in as like I'm the straight edge guy, and we're like, there's a straight edge <laughs> like dude. Like we thought we were the only ones in the world, you know. So we're like, what? This is crazy. Like he's a wrestler too. So, like, the day we met him, it was, like, he was wearing a Misfits t-shirt or something. So, it's, like, it was just, like, fast friends, you know? Because I'm, like, I'm wearing a Misfits t-shirt, too, and I'm straight edge. So, like, the day one, yeah. it was just, like, oh, what's up, dude? <laughs> you know? There's, like, a dude in Vancouver, too. I think he was in Gob. Or maybe really? he had some connection to Gob that wrestled. Wrestled? Was, did a straight edge thing, someone told me. That's but news to me. I know. I've never seen video of that, either. But I've always been obsessed with... Uh, because I, I saw Josh wrestle being from around this area first. So I was always, okay. that was the first one to me. So I was oh, yeah, yeah. No, intrigued to get your... Because my background wrestling name was the 18th Amendment. Oh, really? So you're is, the first straight edge Which is Prohibition, yeah. You're the first straight edge And he went by a different name. And then he's like, I'm going to be Josh Prohibition. And I was like, you can't be. I'm already, <laughs> I'm already 
Prohibition. So I'm like, Josh Prohibition versus Prohibition? I mean, we're going to have the worst matches ever. Like, it's at two heels. Like, boo, we can't relate to him. And boo, we can't relate to him. This sucks. So he was like, no, dude. And then he kind of explained to me, because he knew wrestling a lot better than I did. And he's like, I'm going to be, like, you know, proud of the fact that I'm straight edge. Um, so people are going to hate me. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they are. Like, he's like, because they're not going to relate to that. Like, no one doesn't drink. And I'm like, right, right. He's like, so you need to be, like, the opposite, dude, so that when we fight all the time, like, he had to explain that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, dude. So I was, like, kind of into breakdancing at the time. That's where I was like, I'll be M-Dog 20. So I just wanted to be, like, the opposite of him because I was like, we can't, like, he's right. We can't have the 18th Amendment, which is Prohibition, against Josh Prohibition. Um, but, yeah, we were both, you know, straight at the time. So I don't, it's hard to, like. So oh, I'm, 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 as an edge breaker. I'm giving you the official recognition of being the first straight-edge wrestler. <laughs> Again, you I laid out the history right now, and I, I think that's... that's I mean, I'm sure, like, we were all running parallel, <laughs> and same with Punk, and I don't know, you'd be splitting straws to be like... <laughs> well, we have to give Robbie Brookside the first Punk wrestler thing. He he, he wins that one. And I've never had this, like, conversation with him, and, and other guys in wrestling, like, that yeah. name always comes up, and everyone's like, like, when you meet him, or when you, you gotta, like... I'm, like, so stoked to talk to him to someday. My dream is to have, like, a punk wrestling convention where you bring together, <laughs> like, all the people in bands yeah, yeah. that love wrestling and yeah. all the people in wrestling that love punk. Yeah. And you just, like, so you get, like, Bob Mould, Lars from Rancid. Yeah, like, yeah. you get, like, Bob from Best Coast. <laughs> you get, like, the whole Code Orange. Like, everyone's there. And then all the wrestlers that like punk. And we just all... Hang out. It's like you're constantly surprised. Like, I went to Fest this year, and embarrassingly, it was my first Fest. Uh, I've never been, so don't worry. No embarrassment here. (laughs) And I went to Pre-Fest as well, and it was in Pre-Fest specifically, because it's like one street where all the venues are on. So, like, Fest, you can kind of get lost in the crowd a little. Um, But Pre-Fest is like, you're on one street. So, it's like, I showed up, and like the first person I saw was like, Laura Jane Grace, and I was like, oh, sick. And then, like, I started like a hundred times a day. You know, it's just like, (laughs) you just, you see everybody. You have to. Uh, There's no, like, where to hide, you know? Um, but it was such a cool experience for me, obviously, but there was this other whole layer of like, I'm walking down that street and this guy's just like, oh, hey man, like, oh my God, like Matt Cross, can you sign or take a picture or something? I'm like, yeah, cool, cool. Thinking it's just, you know, wrestling fan, whatever that happens. No big deal. And he's like, yeah, I'm in like the Lillingtons. And I'm just like, wait, what? (laughs) But you know who I am? Like, this is so like, you guys are like, you're for real, you know? (laughs) I'm like, whoa, this is sick. And like a second later, I was like, hey Matt, what's going on? I'm like. Hey man, I don't remember. He's like, remember me? I'm in the copyrights. I'm like, oh shit! Like, <laughs> hey! And then like every second of every day, it was like all these like band dudes. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever been to in my life. Because like, yeah, I'm like marking out for all these dudes, and they're like marking out for me. It was like this weird. Like everybody was just like, yeah, like this is the coolest thing. I think there's like one person in every band, at least, that's a huge <laughs> wrestling fan. Yeah, it like, was like I just find that. Yeah, you're like I'm like constantly pleasantly surprised about like it's so cool every time, especially when it's like this mutual like band that I like type thing, and it's like wait, you know what this crap is? Like <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what it feels like when you're in a band and you're backstage. And you're like wait. You like wrestling too? Oh, there's no way we can watch wrestling. We're yeah. That's awesome. Let's watch some fucking wrestling. So I support your convention idea. Okay, okay well, there's let good. Me, okay, let I me know my first guest. Let me know when it's up and running. All right, all right. Yeah. I, w- I want to do uh, I want to do one that's like a cannabis one and then a straight edge one. So don't are two different events. I think we did like Cabana's podcast as part of a, a fest thing. Um, and like some, and it was like, oh, there's like a question and answer thing yeah. at the end. Like some guy stood up and asked a question. I don't remember what the question was. And then he kind of threw in there. He's like, I'm an Iron Reagan or whatever. And it was just like, I'm like, wait, what? Get out of here. Like, what are you doing at this? Like, like, I'll see you guys tonight at 830 or whatever it was. You know, I'm like, what are all this rules? You know, oh, no, so, 
the amount of jealousy that I've uh, has been thrown my way from fellow band people about all the wrestling stuff I've gotten to see this year. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. People in bands wish that they were at a wrestling show. Maybe not wrestling, but right, wish right. they were watching the wrestling yeah, at least. Smart enough to <laughs> yeah, unless they're Brody King or someone like that. Yeah, that actually, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does both, but they're which I didn't know. I just, I just I didn't know he was in a band. Oh really? Yeah, oh, yeah, his yeah, band's yeah. Sick. That's what. Yeah, he's I, another recent guest on the show too. Oh, cool. So it's uh, that's the thing that I love. It's like my two worlds are coming together. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and he's like super legit and everything too. He's Absolutely. Like sat down. It was just like because I've been fed other guys like that guy's a punk wrestler and it's like he's like I don't know heard Blink Me Two once or something and you're like, yeah, all right, you know. I like, hear from Robbie too. I'm like, it's so and so punk. He's like. Nah, mate. No, no. <laughs> There's a, I think his name's James Castle in England. Mm-hmm. That dude's like super duper 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 legit. And I was like, yes. And like, I just met him. And like, you know, even his gear was just like crust punk, like whatever. Like, well, you know, the gnarliest one is Kojima. His mm-hmm. brother is in this hard ass Japanese punk band called Tetsuarai. And he's a singer. Uh-huh. And apparently, like, they're like this. Like everyone's like, oh, that band was scary. That band, he would like powerbomb people during their shows. <laughs> and there's like this interview from like a New Japan, like families of wrestlers thing that they did that uh-huh. someone sent into the podcast. And it's Kojima talking about his brother, and he's like, he's the tough one in the family. Oh, <laughs> that's rad. <laughs> yeah, he's like, these are because I, I had no idea. And yeah. Like, oh, there's another like wormhole of like cool to like go there's, down or whatever. I know. That's the thing is like this show, like it, it's not just in North America. This punk wrestling connection, it's all international too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Brookside in England, you know, like those. I don't know. There's like oh, Alistair Black too. He's in like hardcore stuff. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I've never like, really talked music with him. But I don't know if it's more like black metal. Or He's into black metal, metal too, but he stuff. he drops some Dutch punk stuff. At Jesus oh, cool. and the gospel fuckers. Okay, talk yeah, about an offensive name. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, so. up, sounds up his alley. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been awesome, and as I say, we could go on forever. I want. Would you come back for a part I two? I'd love to. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And when we do that live convention, we'll do a live podcast. Yes, there. of course. <laughs> awesome. Thank you both so much for coming over to my house. Yeah, our pleasure, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for coming on the show. Now, Matt, hopefully we'll be back for a part two and that wrestling convention we were talking about. I really think I'm going to try and figure a way to do this. So, yeah, would you want to go to this thing? If you if you actually legitimately think you would kind of be interested in going to a destination punk wrestling meetup with all the punk wrestlers kind of convened in one place with a bunch of musicians, maybe bands playing, hit me up. Because I, I really, I'm kind of thinking about this. You know, we live in a world where you can put crazy things together, really, really crazy, weird things together. And I think this might be one of those weird, crazy things that might work. So hit me up, please, uh, at Left for Damien on various forms of social media. And you can also uh, also email the email address there. Um, that's it. Next week on the show. Oh, I also thank you. Thank you once again to Jake and Mr. Pickles for being there as well. Next week on the show, Freddie Alva is on the podcast. Freddie, of course, of the new breed compilation of the label War Dance of most recently Urban Styles, a book that looks at the connection between New York hardcore and New York graffiti uh, and, and New York rap is in there too. And it's just a, uh, it's an amazing book. Like, this to me is like a Rosetta Stone book. This is a, a holiday gift 
for anyone you know that is interested in that that intersection because there's a, a an amazing intersection between punk and and graffiti and that's really played out in this book and played out in this interview next week this is an amazing interview someone i'd always wanted to talk to an amazing writer writes a lot of stuff on no echo uh yeah that's next week on the show freddie alva uh that's it i'm gonna go now run to the airport i'm finishing off this tv show i'm working on this is my last shoot so then it will be back to 100 percent focus on turned out a punk uh uh, yeah, man, it's kind of bittersweet. You know, I've, I, I want to thank you all for bearing with me so much throughout the summer, throughout this time period of working on this show, because I'm so proud of it. I can't wait for you guys to see it. I really am beside myself. Can't waiting for you guys to see it. <laughs> can't waiting for you guys to see it. That works. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you for bearing with me during this time, um, sticking around, understanding the lateness of some of these episodes. Thank you very much to the people at Advance for being there as well and supporting this podcast and, and really understanding as well. And thank you hugely to my brother, Tristan Abraham, uh, also Kim and Brian and, you know, because they, without them, I don't know if I would have been able to keep this thing up. That's it. That's it. Everyone go out there and make your own culture and hopefully find friends that can help you do it because you're going to really need to rely on them sometimes. Uh, so that's it. Thank you, friends. See you next week. Bye.